Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This is Jay. And I'm Shanna. And this week, uh, we, uh, we're we back after a week absence. Uh, Shanna was ill. What uh, is... I don't know. <laughs> I'm not dead. But I have a couple corrections to the previous episode from whenever it was. I, I have a couple notes from when I was editing it. Uh, the agent in adaptation couldn't come up with the name of the guy it's uh ron livingston from office space not gary cole uh the gary cole was the boss in office space and i threw out that name but yeah he's the main guy oh okay okay and uh we never mentioned why we called the sidekick in the masturbating dunman the smurf he's never really mentioned why (laughs) no Oh, because he's uh, dressed all in blue, and he's got a little blue toque, and he's, he's I, I don't know if he's a little guy or not, but he looks like the little guy because of how he stands and limps. Right. Uh, so yeah, I thought we should mention it, because we, we just said it, but never actually said why. Whoops. Uh, so this week, our first film, we're uh, talking about Tale of Zatoichi Continues, uh, the second Zatoichi movie, we covered the first one for our first episode way back. Uh, this was made in the same year as the first one, 1962, but by a different director, Kazuo Mori. Oh, okay. Uh, and of course, Katsu returns as Ichi. And a, a lot of, a few people return. We we actually have yeah. more returning cast than you normally get from this series. Yeah, because it's, well, it kind of is like a direct sequel to the first one. Because at the end of the first one, he's like, I'll come back to this uh, grave in one year to pay my respects. And this movie is him doing that. Yeah, which is surprising. Like, you'd kind of think it's just him moving on to another town. Well, that's what I thought it was at first. And then it turned out he's moving on to get back. And it's one of these weird sequels where it's longer uh, in real time or longer in movie time than it is in real time between the two movies being made. Yeah, that's that's always strange when they do that. I mean, Friday the 13th does that big time. Like, Friday well, the 13th yeah. is taking place in the far future after a couple years. years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this one opens with these people. We are sort of our, our basic cheap Yakuza running to catch a boat, and they order all of the people who are on it off because they're in a hurry. Yep, but uh, they didn't check the votes uh, clearly because, or like, they didn't check them thoroughly because our boy Zaduichi is just napping in the front of one of them. Well, yeah, they didn't seem to look at all, and they're they're real jerks about it. Like, all the peasants are there on this, on like being ordered off, and they're like, "We're gonna be late for work, guys. This sucks." Yeah, and the Yakuza is just like, "Yeah, well, we don't care. We're more important than you." Yeah, and then when they find Ichi asleep in the front of the boat, uh, they try to throw him in the water, and they know he's a blind guy. That's, like... Yep. We're we're really getting a feel for how much of an asshole all of these people are right from the beginning. Oh, yeah, and, but they're they're even dumber this time around. They're, they're actually... They're much dumber. Like, they, they've literally created all of their own misery... Yeah, well, like, throughout the whole thing, and as well, they're just really ignorant. Like, the the, the the stuff about him being blind and people being 
unfair to him because of his blindness or underestimating him because of it. It's certainly a theme in the first one, but in this one, they're really stupid about it. Oh, like they, it's, it's everybody. Everybody. Like, so they, they throw him in the water and he manages to slash the guy's face on the way to being thrown uh, yep, and stealing his sword. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and they catch on pretty much immediately. Like, okay, this has got to be Zatoichi. Uh, and they sort of recount the first movie, but they they've in, in his his legend has grown it's it's inflated yeah. a little bit now uh they say yeah. he won the war single-handedly uh, well i guess he kind of did he sort of did he sort of did but they're they're saying like oh he killed a a hundred men and all that but you know what i bet we can take him yeah exactly immediately like well, I mean, he won this war single-handedly, but, yeah, I mean, he's just one guy. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll go take him. And, <laughs> like, like, there isn't a space between these these sentiments. They're like, oh, we outnumber him. Let's go hunt him down. But, like, <laughs> yeah. right after saying this guy won an entire war single-handedly a year ago. Yeah, it's like the next sentence is, uh, but we can take him, though. Yeah. And he's just chilling, sunbathing nearby while he's drying his clothes. And we meet our requisite evil samurai or in this case he's not even a real samurai uh no, yoshiro but, yeah and he's got this little sidekick yeah i never caught uh, that guy's name no i never really figured out what his deal was he's just sort of his buddy he, he's his number two i, I kind of got the yeah i kind of got the feeling he was just kind of like his hanger on definitely his partner in crime like the two of them are will sort soon find out on a spree yeah uh, but, and sorry, go yeah, ahead. The little, little guy's not really. Yeah, no. uh, the little guy's not that important. No, he's just sort of there to be with Yoshiro most of the time, but he doesn't actually do anything himself at any point. Actually, yeah, no, I don't think he does anything really. There's this one guy he robs shortly, and then from then on, he's just kind of this guy who's behind Yoshiro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the the thing with Yoshiro, he seems to be able to approach Ichi without him noticing. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Because um, everything else about him makes him seem like he's just some drunk samurai or ex samurai or whatever. But he does he does seem to be able to um, uh, to he never he never uses it to get the drop on Ichi, but he does seem that to be able to. Yeah, like somehow he's able to approach quietly enough, which is amazing given what we've seen of Ichi in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it really ever makes sense, but I, I guess we sort of have a quasi-explanation for it later. Kind of. Yeah. And he just sort of walks away because he sees just that gang of cheap Yakuza threw him off the boat coming. Uh, and they come and surround him. And for some reason, they're all like trying to get him to admit He's Ichi, and then Yoshiro just comes back. Like it's it's a strange sequence of events. I don't know why he walked away. I don't know why they're trying to get him to admit who he is first. I I don't know why. I kind of don't know why anyone does anything in this movie. It's a little disjointed. This this one feels rushed compared to the first one. Yeah, it kind of does. Like um, the reveal about who Yoshiro is at the end. It's sudden. <laughs> just, it's sudden that 
doesn't really explain anything about why anyone's doing anything. It makes no sense. I wrote WTF next to this in my notes because like, what? Why? I, I don't even understand why this already in this series we're doing this. Yeah. 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 We'll get to that, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, so the, these guys, they surround him and they're just like trying to goad him into saying he's Ichi and he's just doing nothing. He's just laying there. And mm-hmm. Yoshiro comes and he just kills a couple of them, like two or three of them right away. Yeah. And his and partner comes out of the woods. Yeah, and they yeah, they do a bit of a fight and then Ichi's just gone and uh he just leaves when they're doing that. Yeah, the the partner comes and robs one of the like he's the rich guy. I think he's the guy whose face Ichi slashed. They rob that guy and they kill okay. the rest of them. Uh and yeah, and then Ichi's just gone. Mm-hmm. Uh but we catch up to him wandering into town, uh where he takes a leak in an alley and gets hired as a masseur at the same yeah. time. It, while, while taking a leak, he's like, hey, when you're done there, do you want to come and uh, do this job for us? Yeah, want to come in and massage a lord <laughs> after <laughs> uh, you're done there? Uh, maybe I should wash my hands? Well, they, they'd say right when he comes in, like, yeah. you're, you're very dirty. We need to give you a bath. Yeah, yeah. They, they give him a bath right away. And he's like, He's like, why, uh, why does this Lord want me of all people? And the guy's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. He's just this, he's, he's really tired. He's just returned from Edo. Yeah. Uh, and he goes to massage the Lord and he's very giggly and playful. Yeah. Um, I think the Lord is like supposed to be one of these, uh, th- they have this character, this type of character a few times yes. in the series. Just yeah. like the the child-minded guy. Uh, yeah, like this sort case, of. He's a lord. Right, like like our guy in the uh, the Beat Takeshi remake, who was running around oh, the yeah, house all the, the time. The spear, yeah, that yeah. guy. Yeah. Or th- or or in uh, Yokai in in Hundred Monsters when when there was the guy who was really obsessed with the umbrella monster. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like I'm not really sure what this type of person is, but it seems to be a common trope. I've seen it before. Yeah, I feel like it's representative of some sort of mental unwellness, like some form uh, of mental illness. But they don't really specify, and it's it's very stylized. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, he's doing his whole giggly thing, and uh, Ichi can't really massage him, and he's just like – he's being really nice about it. He's like, I've never had a customer like you before. Oh, you're, yeah, you're having fun. Okay, cool. All right. And, and the two um, retainers or whatever are just like, uh-oh. Yeah, and so when he leaves, he's stopped by three samurai just a little bit away from the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just like, okay, we have to kill this guy. Um, predictably, they don't. Yeah, Ichi has a really good line here. Uh, he says, it's dangerous to draw a sword. You know what they say about a knife in a madman's hand? And of course, just because your master is a madman doesn't mean his retainers must be. <laughs> and the, I, I really like this part. The first guy who comes at Ichi, he kills him. And then he says to the guys, I'm just a masseur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After he's killed one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and and then, but they're like, well, you're no ordinary masseur. He's like, yeah, and if I was, I'd be dead. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, the the other two immediately come at him and get theirs. 
Yeah, they they die. And so we cut to like the next morning and we have the sort of middle management of House of Kuroda. And they're very unimpressed that their men could not carry out a hit on a single blind guy. Yeah. This comes up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So like he's very he's very loud about it, too. He's like, we can't let them. We can't let word get out that our Lord is like this. We ha- I've been keeping this a secret from the capital for a very long time. My family's ruined if it gets out that my lord is mentally disabled. They, they just talk about him having this condition. This the condition, lord's they condition. Call it, yeah. yeah. And yeah, they, it's like, oh, I mean, the end of the House of Kuroda, I guess. Yeah, so, which is, I guess, why this guy can't shut up about it. Yeah, like again, he's he's creating a Streisand effect. He's he, yeah, he's, he's doing this all problem. of this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like Ichi even says, I think he says to these guys, like, or no, no, I think he says to uh, the Geisha who he, he he befriends later. He's like, if if they just said, don't tell anyone, I wouldn't have told anyone. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's, that's I all don't you even gotta care say about this. I really don't know why these guys are after me. Like, is it really just this? Because it's so dumb. Yeah, he he just can't believe that this is what's going on. Uh, and they, they've, like, sent assassins to go from building to building. And they're raiding the entire <laughs> oh, town. Yeah. yeah, they've got, like, they've got, like, the troops out in full force. Again, it's like... Well, uh, let, let's make ourselves the main character of Twitter today, and we're going to get this thing dealt with, and no one's going to ever think about it again. Like, what an incredibly stupid thing. Yeah, like, like, what does he do? Go door to door. It's like, have you seen Blind Man? He's accused of knowing something about the Lord's condition, which we can't tell anyone. So keep quiet about the Lord's condition. What? What? Lord, and- what? And we know everybody's talking about it because we see these three geisha come into a bar because, like, the search has interrupted their whole business. They can't even do anything. So they're yeah. just, like, hanging out and they're like, what's going on with this? And everybody's talking about it. Uh, what, one thing that I found really interesting here, they mention Ichi's age as 26 to 27 years old. Younger than I thought he was. Yeah, lot, much younger than younger. I thought. I did not. I, think I that. figured at this point he'd be like, like at this point I figured he's probably around thirty-five. He's been traveling for a bit, but no, I guess not. Yeah, I, I, I was really surprised. I did not think he was supposed to be that young of a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least that's the description they're giving. Yeah, yeah. And of course he's he, hiding he out in the kind of a young face too. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so, he's yeah. hiding out there. And he buys them a round of drinks for giving him the information about. These yep. guys looking for him and everything. Uh, but he's not afraid of them. They all he, he has a chat with them and we get a bit more of his origin story. This one's kind of surprising for how much origin it gives out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn where he's from. He's uh, what was it? Kasama. He's from Kasama in the Joshu province. OK. And I think next movie is him going back to his hometown, if I recall. Well, it would make sense for him to go back there next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised how more um, in series these movies seem to be. I always just kind of figured it'd be one-off, like a bunch of one-offs. Like he goes into this town, does some stuff, goes into that town and does some stuff. But, yeah, uh, like 
I, I feel like it's only these first few that are like that. And then for the rest of it, it is just him sort of wandering. Okay, okay. That's... At least that's my recollection from the ones I've watched. Well, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, so there's this one Geisha who has a similar background to him and just kind of likes him right away. Mm-hmm. And she, she just offers to spend the night with him. Like, we'll have a really long talk. Uh, and Ichi says specifically that she smells nice like her. Uh, like we don't her. know who her is. Well, we're going to find out in about five minutes. Yeah. But first we get uh, Yoshiro and Buddy. Uh, showing up and at first they think they might be you know part of the search party so everybody hides Mm -hmm. but uh ichi's basically like yeah these aren't the guys who are following me yeah and like first the two guys should go out to serve them and then of course the third one comes out and yoshiro or no uh the buddy says oh she looks just like her (laughs) yep (laughs) it's like oh hmm uh and and the her is ochio who Yoshiro was madly in love with. Yeah, so she he was in love with this girl. That's part of his backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, uh, Ichi comes out and is uh, talking about how he was in love with a girl named Ochio who looks just like her and how she left him for somebody else. And the guy's just like, oh, wow, this Ochio seems like a bitch. Yeah, and she left him specifically because of his blindness. Yeah, right, right. Uh, oh, shit! And, <laughs> and uh, he, before Ichi comes out, he starts, like, really getting kind of heavy with Osetsu, uh, the the geisha who was into Ichi. Mm-hmm. And, like, she doesn't want to join them. And he just comes over and he's like really forceful. He's trying to buy her company. She's like, no, no, I'm taken. Uh, And he's like, I won't let you be with another man tonight. And that's when Ichi comes out. Like, okay, I got to step in here. Yeah. And and interestingly, I thought he was he had just heard Yoshio's backstory. So he was just kind of making up a very similar backstory to get this guy off his to try to get this guy off his back. I was completely wrong about what what he was doing, but yeah, it's it's the the coincidence level is a little bit heavy in this one, mm-hmm. like maybe a little too heavy. Yeah, uh, and like she even says, "Wow, a lot of people fall in love with girls named Ochio who looks like me." <laughs> looks and sounds. And sounds and smells. Yeah, uh, and so Ichi gets asks her if he can touch her face, and she accepts, uh, and he gives that backstory uh, and then he leaves with her and buys the other girls another round just before the big Yakuza search party shows up. Right. And everyone's like, no, we haven't seen him. Yeah. Uh, but they offer a reward, which does interest sidekick guy, but Yoshiro just isn't interested and we don't really know why for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then someone arrives with a message for boss Kanbei. And then the next morning, the Lord has left because, like, he was just passing through town. But now all of Kanbei's men are after Ichi instead. So, like, they they left message to continue hunting this guy in their absence. It's so, like, <laughs> like did, did we even get the Lord's name? Like, what's Ichi going to do? Be like, there's a Lord, one of them, 
don't know which one, is a little weird. He acted kind of like, silly. They, I don't like, know. What are they worried about? They could have just said, hey, no, don't mind our Lord. He's drunk. Yeah. I mean, like, it's completely Streisand effect. It's so stupid. These guys are just. And of course, this whole thing is going to wipe end up wiping out their whole Yakuza clan because that's how it goes. Of course. Like, just so foolish. And they know he has the capability. Like, they sent <laughs> three guys after him and he killed them very easily. Yeah. So someone informs Lord Kanbei that it is specifically Zatoichi they're looking for. And we, we get a bit more of that. And they're like, well, it's just one blind guy. <laughs> it's like, more of that. They're really laying it on thick with this one. Uh, but they, they get this uh, they they give this guy 25 gold to go after Ichi, uh, but he's under very strict orders to say he's acting on his own and not for Kuroda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, guys, come on. So Ichi yeah. and Setsu are having breakfast and a bunch of samurai show up to kill him the next morning. Of course. As you do. Yeah, and Ichi gives Setsu some money to pay for the place that they stayed in and he goes out with them. Uh, and one guy runs ahead to say he found them, and the other six dudes all face off with him on the beach. Um, is this is is this another one where he just kills them effortlessly? It, he effortlessly gets three of them, and then the other three just immediately run away. Oh, okay, yeah, there's he does no, a he, lot more killing in this one, I think. Yes, than in the first absolutely. One. Well, like this one, he's being hunted. Right? He, I mean, he has to, but there's there's yeah. a lot more killing happening, True. and a lot of it is just three guys come after him and then three guys fall down. Yeah. And and I guess actually this one, he kills two of them and then the other guy just has a really bad cut on his leg and he kind of stumbles away with the three who are running. Yeah. And then the Setsu gives Ichi a boat so he can escape. Uh, and then we get Sukigoro, the, I think he's the boss from the previous one, right? Yeah, he was the boss who was the one who kind of hired Ichi. Right. Um, the one who is all like, hey, I'm going to hire you to take out this other clan and yeah. the enemy samurai. And, and then they, then Ichi just lost his shit on him at the end because he's so shitty. Yeah, because he's just a total asshole. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, it's worth noting that this guy has seen firsthand how strong Ichi is. Yeah. But, and he never says to anyone like, hey, don't mess with this guy. Well, he's more be really cautious when you mess with this guy, but they he yeah. still figures they all should. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I guess he's more against Yoshiro in this one. Like he knows him, too. And like he's like, listen, I know you and your partner are these robbers who are wanted by the provincial government. And you guys have been on this spree. You've been stealing, killing and raping all the way from wherever they're coming from. Yeah. And he's like, you're a Yakuza pretending to be a samurai and I know it. Which is interesting, because uh, that, that's it's an interesting distinction. Yeah, uh, and he's like, it is. Get out of town. He's like, I, I want you to leave. Uh, and he's also sending some people to follow him. And he's sort of going after Yoshiro in the rest of this movie, while Kanbei is going after Ichi. Right, right. Because right. it's and these two kind of... parallel groups. Right, but of course, because they're all dressed the same, I just thought... Yeah, I just... I it's hard they were to figure out. Together. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, it's easy to get them blurred because I never know which group is which because it's just a whole bunch of dudes together dressed the same. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's these two different parties going after two different dudes who have okay. kind of parallel stories. Yeah, and and they just happen to all be doing it all in the same same kind of area. Right. Uh, and then Sukagoro meets with the other boss, Kanbei, and he's like, listen, I want to warn you about my own past experience with Ichi. Uh, so he does warn him, but oh, yeah, he's still right. warning him to, like, fuck with him, but, like, you know, do, do it in a really careful way. Uh, and he's like, listen, I know where he's going. He's he's headed back to Jishoji Temple to pay respects to the samurai, uh, to uh, Hirate from the first movie. Hirate, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and it's he, like, yeah, like, like, yeah, okay, you... You can catch him if you go there, if you really want to do this. Yeah. Uh, so Ichi arrives at Sukagoro's, uh, but he leaves before he's announced because he definitely does not want to meet Sukagoro today. Yeah, he's just he's just like, I'm, I'm just doing this because I got to, because he lent me a room last time. I don't actually want to have anything to do with this man. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the, the guy thinks he's just like messing with him or something it's it's a yeah. weird exchange it is it is because he ends up getting sukagoro or trying to but ichi leaves yeah and like he he kind of jets out of there when he sees him going for him and this other guy the the guy who got paid the 50 or 25 gold to go after him uh he thinks he has the drop on him of course of course uh but of course ichi just like sits down and talks to him he's like hey uh, do you know what time it is? Uh, what's your name, by the way? <laughs> uh, and he says that he's Kanbei, but he's working for Kanbei, I think. Something? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. I, like, I'm pretty sure he lies when he says that he's Kanbei. Uh, I think that's someone else. Because Ichi recognizes the name, and he, he says, oh, that name sets me on edge. Because uh, he knows it's the name of this boss, I think. Yeah. Because this yeah, guy wouldn't be a boss going after him. No, no, no. Um, and oh yeah, and this is the guy who's supposed to say that he's not with Kanbei. Yeah, he's not with Kuroda or the House oh, of Kuroda. Right, right. Yeah, so I, I don't like maybe he's giving him the name of a different boss, who's. Oh, maybe. I maybe. think he's giving him the name of maybe the other boss from the first movie, because I know the name. I. I I don't remember sure. exactly how it fits together, but it, I'm pretty sure he's lying here. Uh, but the the name does come up a few times. Uh, and then Ichi's like, listen, I got to go before the boss shows up, because if I don't, he'll have to thank me in front of all of you. <laughs> I wouldn't want to embarrass him like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he leaves and they're like, we don't need to follow him. We know where he's going. They They know he's headed for the temple and they are right. Yeah. Uh, and he stops at the fishing spot and reminisces about Hirate and starts to think about Otane as well, who he kind of escaped from at the end of the first one. Yeah, the, the girl who fell in love with him in the first one. Yeah. Uh, and she comes back. Eventually. Yes. Well, like, she, he learns shortly that she's engaged to a carpenter. Right, right. Uh, I think... Uh, Oh yeah, no, because it's we we see her, we meet her right here before Ichi does, because uh, the 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 guy who's after Yoshiro, like he he's sort of like a a state cop kind of thing. He he's a yakuza who's been trailing Yoshiro all the way from Lioka. Oh, okay, yeah, and Lioka is one of the 
that's one of the ones from the first movie. Yes. One of the villages or one of the clans. Yeah, village, definitely. I yeah. yeah, I think it's the village where they have the war in the first film. Uh, and right, he yeah. comes he comes in, he, he runs into Otane, and he learns about her being engaged to a carpenter. Uh, and then I think he is pretty much immediately thereafter killed by Yoshiro in the forest. Right, yeah, because Yoshiro's killing a few people too here and there. Yeah, just like as they catch up with him. Uh, and then the gambling places are all shut down for the night so they can you know, just have these search parties looking for both Yoshiro and Ichi now. Yeah. Uh, and Otane uh, is very upset to hear that they're hunting for Ichi because, like, she knew they were looking for Yoshiro. She knows that there's this crime spree going on. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, where's where's Ichi at? And she also finds out that he's headed for the temple. Yeah, she's like, why are they going after Ichi and it's like you don't even want to know why it's it's too <laughs> dumb it's too dumb it's like if you know why you'd you'd have to be killed too <laughs> <laughs> oh right? my god yeah we have to get ichi before he tells everyone about our lord's <laughs> condition we can't let anyone find out about the lord's condition i've been spending my entire life hiding the lord's condition like guy walking around with like a giant graphic T that says Lord's condition on it. <laughs> giant block letters. And a megaphone. Please help me find the guy who knows about the secret condition. <laughs> and so the search party, they quickly find the corpse in the forest uh, while they're heading. Like everybody's sort of in the same line. I don't know why uh yoshiro seems to be going the same place as ichi but he seems to also be heading for the temple for whatever reason yeah well didn't he see ichi in the bar like um yeah so i mean maybe he's following ichi now i guess so that's, I just that's don't... kind of at the time i didn't get it either yeah i just don't get why he is like i still don't even knowing the twists i, I don't really understand why he would follow him because he doesn't seem to like him very much well no he wants to kill ichi because he figures uh, ichi's the reason he's a cripple and i didn't see what's crippled about him okay so yeah neither did i but he has one arm oh yeah i totally did not pick it up until the very end of the movie yeah he's a one-armed swordsman and uh what's her name left him because he lost his arm exactly so she just doesn't like anyone who's got any disability she's i want to say maybe she's not that great of a catch after all and I these guys are better off without her not. i mean you had a gesha who looked and smelled just like her but who was nice yeah just, i mean just that's 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 what you should be doing she doesn't show up again that gesha no uh she's gone she's, yeah, she she is pretty much gone from the movie now. I I wonder if she shows up in a future one. Probably not. I that'd be weird. But stranger things have happened. True. I mean, I'm kind of surprised at how serialized it is right from the start. Mm -hmm. uh, but like at this point, Ichi is at the temple already, uh, and Yoshiro and his partner are outside the temple when the search party arrives. So. Clearly, they are following them, although the partner has no idea why either. Yeah, the partner's like, what are you doing? We got to get out of here. We need to go. Let's go. Oh, my God, we got to go. Okay, I'm leaving. 
I kind of love how panicky the partner gradually gets over this whole sequence because like mm-hmm. more and more search parties just keep showing up. He's like, there's more people coming. Come on. We've got to get out of here. He's like, no, no, there's a thing I got to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like that whole thing. It's like, this is something I have to solve by myself. Of course. That's <laughs> like, those are like so many people's last words. Yeah. Uh, and Otane shows up at the temple as well ahead of the search party, somehow. She, she's somehow. got there first. Uh, and so she comes and warns Ichi and goes with him and this child priest to the graveyard. Yeah, to yeah, child priest, I guess, uh, to the grave. And that's... And, I think that's when the search party catches up with... Or one of the search parties catches up with him. The Ichi search party shows the up. The Ichi search party, yeah. Yeah, and and they surround the entire graveyard. Just like and in a he's big like, line. come on, guys, let me get out of the graveyard first. Let's let's not do this here. Yeah, and there's like 16 dudes, uh, and he goes out to face them. But he's like, we got to leave the temple grounds. So they go to this little farmyard. Yeah, I, I love they're like all giving him like a really wide berth. Like, yeah. like they're obviously scared of him, but... They're going to do this anyway. Well, they figure, come on, there's 16 of us. 16 of us, yeah, right. That's a lot more than the other times. And then, like, two guys go down instantly, and then four more, and then another three. It's like three different shots of him killing, uh, what, uh, nine guys. (laughs) Yeah, something like that, yep. And then, like, there's a pause, and we, we we catch up with what Yoshiro and his partner are doing. They're just hiding, they're, they, like, pass between or they're they're like going down a street and they see between two like they're between two buildings and look down the alley and see this battle happening (laughs) (laughs) and then like the partners it's like okay so there's this but that other search party is right over there and like we we can we turn the camera and like there they are coming across a bridge it's like okay (laughs) (laughs) yosher is like okay you go you leave it's fine i'm i'm gonna go deal with this (laughs) but his poor assistant is probably like deal with what this isn't our thing yeah but i guess it all is his thing of course ichi takes out six more guys (laughs) and and like every time he kills somebody it's instant it's so fast like three guys in one second four guys in another six guys in in another second yeah this one was like two and four and then there's only kanbei left Right. Yeah, and and Ichi's like, listen, I'm blind, so you're gonna have to make the first move. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> uh, he he. Sorry, Yoshiro approaches. He's like, uh, I'll kill Ichi for you. And like the partner's still in the background, freaking out. Like those guys are coming. Come on. <laughs> and I think at this point he finally just runs away. Yeah, finally. The- it, it takes him a long time before he. Uh... Before he he abandons Yoshiro, but eventually he just he finally books it. Yeah, and here it becomes very clear that Ichi and Yoshiro have some specific history. Uh, but first, they got to fight before we learn mm-hmm. how they're related. Yeah, and it's sort of a weird battle. It's a very different style for him because Ichi is not very precise. He's really thrashy because he doesn't want to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and, and he ends up like. 
he he doesn't even end up killing him right away. They they like fall over this fence together, kind of. Yeah. Uh, and Yoshiro does slash him first. He he slashes his arm. Yeah, he gets him real good on the 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 lower arm, like the <clears throat> hand and the wrist, kind of. Mm-hmm. And th- finally, Ichi's like, yeah, I, I he he mentions that he's his older brother. And he's like, what? Yep, what? Yep. What, the, what the fuck? Hey, you're really? my older brother. So I could not believe this. Uh, yeah, where's Ochio? Oh, she died. I, I killed, killed her. her. <laughs> <laughs> she left me because I'm a cripple. Because uh, because uh, Ichi made him a cripple, yeah. is what he says. Uh, so I guess Ichi chopped off his arm for some reason at some point. Yeah, who who knows? We we don't really find out about that. But like him telling Ichi that Oshio is dead and that he killed her, they finally scuffle and Ichi stabs him, uh, but doesn't kill him right away anyways. And then Sukagoro's men, like they're still heading there. They're on their yeah. way here. <laughs> uh, and they're, and he, uh, Yoshiro says that they're coming to put him to death. And he's like, brother, what have you done? <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's been on a fucking crime spree. Like this guy is really bad news. He's just like, well, you know, I did some things. Yeah, he's like, listen, I, I'd rather you just finish me off. That would be better. Uh, but Ichi escapes with him into the river. Yep. As the reinforcements arrive. And like we we kind of cut immediately to nighttime with the search continuing to go on. Uh, where it, But we, we find that Ichi and Yoshiro are elsewhere uh, being brought medicine by the young priest. I'm just imagining, like, this whole thing, like, just keep searching the river. He can't hold his breath underwater, or he can't hold his breath down there forever. And if he can, <laughs> then God help us all. It's it's really weird, because this is another thing where they're talking about, like, oh, well, you know, he probably drowned both of them. This blind guy, you know, just he he's just this blind guy, so he probably drowned them by not escaping into the river just like intentionally killing both of them poor wretch i was like how are you guys still at this point i cannot believe this no kidding you are among 16 dead bodies that he killed (laughs) come on (laughs) what an incompetent blind man as he steps over like the corpses of his men yeah uh so (laughs) sure sucks (laughs) <laughs> this, this guy doesn't know what he's doing at all <laughs> uh, Ichi learns about Otane's upcoming marriage From the priest, I guess I think it is I think so, yeah yeah. And, and then Otane like, shows up mm-hmm. uh, I, I I think we skipped over it But like there was this, just this scene Where this The guy who's supposed to be marrying her Like Goes oh, yeah. to her father and is like, hey, I want to discuss uh, marriage to your daughter. Oh, hi, Otane. And then he walks by her and goes into the room with the father. And it's like, wow, yeah, you just. He seems great. <laughs> yeah, they're just, just uh, things to be married, huh? Yeah, and there, there's an interesting point here because Ichi says, I know you'll marry someone good for you. Yeah, as if she's got a choice in the matter. Yeah, and like she is upset. <laughs> yeah, she she's like she cries. She's not she's not on, happy with that. You're good for me. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, no, I'm not. 
Uh, and of course, Yoshiro finally reveals like, okay, Ochio isn't dead. She's still alive. She left me because uh, because I lost my arm. Uh, and then he dies. Yeah. So he he did kind of kill him at that time. It just it took a while to stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, main it's a main character death. Main characters have to do their last words before they can die. Yeah. And then, like, the searchers are leaving. This is where they're talking about, ah, oh, well, I mean, they probably drowned. And then they're, like, cutting through a field and just Ichi is there crying. They're like, oh, hey, what, what's up here? And Sukagoro approaches and Ichi's like, listen, Yoshiro was my brother and he's dead now. And I want revenge for him and Hirate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two good people are dead because of you now. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, th- this is kind of good catharsis for the end of the previous film where Sukagoro kind of gets away with it. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he doesn't now. Yeah, no, he really doesn't. <laughs> like, he first starts to strangle Sukagoro, and then one of Sukagoro's men comes to uh, attack Yoshir, or attack Ichi with the sword, and he just, like, flips him, and gets he gets Sukagoro instead. And then Ichi just, like, <laughs> boom, head chop and like hard cut to the end <laughs> yeah he had literally just the end and even though ichi is surrounded by like the other search party of like another 20 guys probably but you know i i yeah. suppose they probably all run away in terror their boss is dead yeah you, you know what they're probably like oh he's just a blind man i'm sure we can take him <laughs> yeah and then they all go down just like the previous one <laughs> And then we see the headline in the local newspaper, like, uh, all Yakuza dead, town's economy is ruined. I mean, I guess. (laughs) There's probably more Yakuza to show up at any given time. Oh, sure. They They proliferate. Thousands. (laughs) Thousands. <laughs> they're like they're like bunnies. You only got like a few uh, a few merchants, a few people, but tons of Yakuza. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty much it for this one. Like it it it's very short. It's very condensed. Uh, it's like I think about twenty minutes shorter than the first one. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I was surprised how short it was. It just kind of goes really fast. There's not a lot of characters and you don't have to do a whole lot of meeting of characters because you're kind of with some character you already know for the most part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, we don't have what I liked so much in the first one. It was just like him getting to know these different people, like, uh, yeah. like he, making friends with the samurai or whatever, or mm-hmm. getting to know the lay of the town. We don't really get a lot of that. It's mostly just here's Ichi here's the really dumb reason why the guys are going after Ichi. Uh, let's have a bunch of dead Yakuza. Yeah, it's extremely linear, and they just kind of keep hitting the same couple points over and over. They're like, yeah, he's a blind guy. Whatever, we can deal with this. And then they don't deal with it, and they get dead. Yeah. And it just happens a bunch of times. Yeah, and that's that's basically it. it really like the, the whole thing about about this other guy being his brother, like, it comes out of nowhere. It comes out of nowhere, and it's so. It it's feels such a really forced. It, it I agree. It doesn't feel real. Like, yeah. like they earned the relationship that he has with uh, Hirate in the first one. Totally. But in this, it's like you cut off. We love the same girl, and you cut off my arm, and I hate you, and uh, we 
all this stuff and it's like okay sure and it really feels artificial because we had that other scene with the two of them meeting and both of them talking about ochio and nobody puts it together and they don't say anything to each other about it yeah yeah and like even the one who could have put it together was just like oh wow lots of people love shitty girls named ochio that look like me how weird yeah like altogether it just feels rushed and yeah i suspect it was rushed like it came out very soon after the first one they both came out the same year yeah that's that's weird that doesn't happen yeah not especially a, not nowadays well yeah and i i would say especially not then i mean it sometimes happened if they were planned but you're rarely planning a series of sequels unless it was like yeah i, I don't know about i don't know, you know about a this serial one. i mean i didn't hate it but no, I, I definitely feel like it's a big step down. I don't dislike it, but it like it, it totally moves. It's fast. It's pretty fun still, but it, it is. doesn't have I the mean, texture. No, uh, this is more this one feels more like an action movie, but I haven't quite figured out how to do action pack Satoichi yet. Yeah. And like the only like real fight fight scene we get is yoshiro versus ichi and it's a weird one because they don't want to kill each other yeah yeah i mean every other fight is just yakuza dies instantly yeah and and this one they're just kind of it's it's a really hack and slash kind of fight uh and it just feels weird because we don't know (laughs) what they're doing like we don't understand that they're not wanting to harm each other uh until after the fight which is very strange structuring yeah um it just looks like ichi is having a really dumb bad fight for some reason like the fight (laughs) choreography was off i i and like i'd seen this movie before and completely forgotten this twist because it's so minimal it just happens at the end like oh by the way this guy was my brother like what (laughs) so when i came back it's like why is he fighting so badly? This is a weird fight scene after all of these other ones where he killed 15 guys. Yeah, I know. It's like, like I, I know we're supposed to be intimidated by the rival samurai here, but... But we even know he's not a rival samurai at this point, because we know yeah. he's just some Yakuza pretending to be one. Yeah, yeah. It's. I, I feel like they gave us the information, like the wrong information in the wrong order and didn't let us sit with it. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Like, I still like it. It's still fun, but it definitely feels much slighter than the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one had some... The first one had some meat. The first one was a story. This one is just... Let's do another Zatoichi, is kind of what it felt like. Yeah, it feels like an episode rather than a chapter. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not bad, not great. There are people who really stand up for this one. Like I, I was reading some reviews of it of people who uh, prefer it to the first just because it's more action packed and like it, it definitely is. is fast and there's there's a lot of action in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the first one was a lot more meditative. It was never about the fighting. Uh, the fight it just had fighting in it. Yeah, the fights are very quickly over in the first one, like every single time. And well, then you just build up that one big too, fight at the end. Yeah. True. Here you yeah, just get a lot of not, them. <laughs> it doesn't feel like they're building to anything. No. 
Because yeah, we don't that's... know about the relationship with the samurai until after it's over. Yeah, it or... is a weird structure. It's so linear. There's not a build. It's just, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. There's no rising action <laughs> to to go back to some uh, screenplay structuring from last time. True, yeah. Uh, so any final thoughts on this one? Uh, this is replaced with New Tale of Zatoichi, of course, the next one in the series, which is the first in color. Ooh, ooh, interesting. All right. Yeah, and uh, other than that, I don't really remember what it's about other than that. I'm pretty sure it's him returning to his hometown. Okay, cool. Um, which makes sense, because right. probably to pay respects about, you know, maybe to oh, bring his brother's ashes home or something like that. Yeah, or... <laughs> or or maybe yeah yeah that's probably what it is but i was just thinking what if we get another reveal that he has another brother <laughs> i don't <laughs> think it is but it's possible and that would be really dumb it would <laughs> like, but and like just for like six movies he's just turning up all these long lost siblings <laughs> all these long lost brothers it's like well she left ochio left me when you took off my toe I just can't believe they went to the long-lost sibling well in the second movie. Yeah, that, that's something you gotta... You got, like, if you're doing a series, you gotta build up to that in a, a few movies. Or even build up to it in the movie that you're making. Yeah, I mean, that would help. <laughs> like, if there had been any build-up, like... Even just, I don't know, a dream of Zadoichi remembering training with his brother or something or they could have a conversation of some kind like there's one scene where they're together and they talk to other people in the scene and not each other it's so yeah, weird they, they never really interact uh, until the until end until the very end yeah it's they just strange. kind of ignore each other it's it's really weird yeah a, a very strangely structured film uh but you know uh, a, a very quick, what, like 70 minutes, 80 minutes? It, it, it flies 70, by. 70 and change, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so I think that probably wraps everything up for uh, Tale of Zadoichi Continues. Is that what the title is? <laughs> uh, yes, Tale of Zadoichi, Tale of Zadoichi Continues. Continues. All right. Uh, so uh, any further thoughts or we'll head on to part two? Yeah, let's get to part two. Hi. And we're back for our second film. We're talking about Eyes of Fire, uh, second thing in the... Uh, All the Haunts Be Ours, a compendium of folk horror. Uh, from Severin, recent box set. Uh, this is a 1983 film directed by Avery Crowns, who... Oh, wow. Uh, it has doesn't very feel like 83. It feels much earlier. It feels like a 70s film. I thought it felt newer, actually. Really? Yeah. For me, it's just the the eeriness, the the weird kind of. It, it has sort of a new Hollywood flavor to me. Oh, okay. But notably, I would say Brad Fidel did the music for this, and he's most known for the Terminator scores. He did oh. both Terminator and Terminator Two, so that might be a part of it as well. Oh, could be. Could be. So there's two different versions of this movie. I did watch both of them. Uh, the extended cut is called Crying Blue Sky. Uh, and I'm not totally clear on the differences between the two cuts. I watched them a couple weeks apart. 
but crying blue sky cut is extended and i know it starts earlier in time than the first movie because uh it it has the townspeople sort of gathering and getting angry about the priest whereas i'm pretty sure this cut opens with the lynching attempt correct yeah it basically opens uh it opens with uh the little girls explain like they're like okay so here's what happened to us and then right yeah the lynching attempt uh the little girl says we almost died in the second woods evil itself was in that forest and then in the the longer cut there's a bunch of scenes of the townspeople just getting fed up with him and like they're gathering they're saying we're gonna go lynch this guy let let's drive him out of town uh we see a few scenes with leah who is very animalistic in town interestingly oh yeah we don't really get to see her in the town yeah we really only see her show up chanting to save him from being lynched yeah, yeah. Uh, in that um, version yeah so yeah the one i saw i had to wait until halfway through the movie before i could get fed up with the priest yeah but <laughs> i don't know it happened a bit quicker than that it happens a little bit quicker than that he's he's pretty intolerable very quickly uh did you recognize the priest he looks familiar but no uh he's the same guy who played george in retribution the main character no kidding yeah very different oh. look in this movie i wouldn't have put it yeah. together if i didn't look up his credits because i sort of recognized him Santa uh, Maria, Mother of God, <laughs> help me! Boom. <laughs> the same. Uh, this movie's got the whole yeah exploding in fireballs when they get shot. There's a pretty excellent fireball. Uh, so the the townspeople they've all gotten sick of this guy, and we don't really get a very clear idea of why. There's a little we bit do more later, of it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's a little bit more of it in the longer cut. We we kind of get a bit of an idea of what their problems are with him we we learned that there's the adultery thing uh he's sleeping with the wife of a trapper who is out you know in the woods somewhere a voyageur uh but he has this leah who's an irish witch i guess is the idea Uh, she's the child of an irish witch yeah her mother was burned at the stake i believe and we'll get a few versions of the story of that as the movie plays out. Uh, mm. But like they're they're about to lynch uh, the uh, priest, Mr. Will. I can't remember his his last Will name. Will Smythe. Will Smythe. How, how, how he became the prince of a town called Dalton's Ferry. That's right. Uh, uh, and he did not become the prince. He did not become the prince. Uh, they're they're about to hang him in a barn. And then Leah comes in and she's chanting and the rope miraculously breaks. Uh, Not miraculously. It is obviously her magic. And she is very, very magical throughout the movie. And then one of his other uh, apostles, I guess, Will Hare. I don't know the name or the the name of the character is Mr. Calvin. Now, Will Hare, do you recognize him? Also from a previous thing we've discussed. Uh, He's the grandpa. Uh, the grandpa in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, the one who's like, Santa's going to come get you. <laughs> the scary grandpa. The scary grandpa. Oh, man. Okay. And this is like the next year. So like right away, right after it. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So, like, the voiceover is, like, they say he was blessed about the priest. But, like, obviously, it's not him. It's Leah. But he's kind of always stealing her thunder and kind of making her magic his. Yeah. Like, he even says after after he gets uh, after he gets rescued from the hanging, he's like, okay, well, um, the power of God is with me and all that. And uh, yep. I'm just going to have to take your things yeah we're we're gonna head to the promised land uh don't worry we're just gonna take all your stuff <laughs> you can't come with us because nope. you tried to lynch me yeah. um but uh some some random people I, I don't know if they're random but like yeah the the old man and his wife are able to go with them uh his wife the, named sister sis yeah that's so weird. weird um this guy, Jewel, and his wife and kid can go with him. Right. Um, the trapper's wife, who he's fucking, and their yeah. kids. Right. And I uh, think and there's one other person, two other people? Um, I'm not sure. That might be it. They're, it's a pretty small crew. Uh, but they steal the ferry as well. Like, they, they cut the ferry loose of the dock, and they just steal everybody's, you know, grains and stuff and sail on down the river. Yeah, they, they there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what they're stealing. They've got a harp, and they're even like, uh, "Why do we take so many ducks or chickens <laughs> or whatever?" Just cause. Yeah, I I really like the section of them on the boat. It's very chill, this blue toned. It's very eerie, sort of like getting into the mood of the piece. This is a very moody movie. Now this this boat, uh, I think calling it a boat is a little generous. It's a raft. It's, it's a raft. <laughs> it's it's planks tied together that float. Well, yeah, it's it's a ferry. It's mainly just supposed to go from point A to point B on this one stretch of the river, like anchored by a rope. It's not really meant to travel. Mm-hmm. And well, it doesn't travel that far. No, not too too far uh, because they they head our, into our trapper guy. Um, right, God, Marion. What's his name? Marion. Marion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Marion Dalton. Uh, interesting that the town is called Dalton's Ferry. Yeah, it could be uh, named after was... like an, an ancestor of his. It's very possible. Yeah, it could be. Could be. He he go comes back. He's about to cross the river, and he's like, "Hey, where's the ferry?" Yeah. And the old woman's like, "Your wife and the preacher stole it." He's like, <laughs> "What?" Oh, Jesus. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> he just goes across the river. Yeah, and, and he, he, he like, gets the story of what happened from this lady. He's like, well, I guess I gotta go follow down the river and get them. I'm not letting her take my daughter. Yeah, well, the way, the, the way he does it, though, uh, I, I really liked it, because the woman's like, well, what are you gonna do? And he's like, I'm gonna eat the squirrel. Okay, well, what <laughs> yeah. are you gonna do after that? I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> but he does end up going after them, and yeah, it does not take him long to find them. No, because he's like this is what he does. He's this a is, yeah. Guy. This is his this is his thing. These guys are like, well, the priest is uh, like a total like a city boy. Yeah, this is kind of a Donner's party kind of situation. Kind, uh, kind of, kind they're, of. They're led by a fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see them traveling into Shawnee territory. And for some reason, uh, Will Hare, Mr. Calvin, is just rambling 
weird preachery nonsense at the prow of the boat on a chair. Yeah, it's funny because the narration is like, he was the first of us to die. And I thought maybe he was just losing his mind. And then an arrow shoots him in the chest. Yeah, he just gets fucking arrowed all of a sudden. I, I really like that just before this, Jewel is like, hey, watch the cliffs. There's This is not a really good area. And Will starts to mock him. And then <laughs> Calvin gets arrowed. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Jewel also gets Will's, shot. Will, he hasn't had a chance to do anything yet, but he's a jerk. He is just, he's the worst. Right. He is just a tool right from the beginning. And, and this is where he first tells about Leah's mother being burned as a witch. And he's like, I saved her and I tried to save the mother, too. He, Yeah. Then he tells a different story where he much later uh, did not try to save the mother. No, he uh, was the one doing it. It seems very, very clear that he was on, the one in charge. Oh, yeah. He says later on, it's like I kept having to relight the fire because it kept going out. Exactly. Uh, so, like, he's he is scum, uh, and he's gradually revealed as scum, but not really gradually. Like, it's it's very clear early on that he's using Leah, and he's not really doing anything himself. Like, he's just completely worthless. Oh yeah. Like later on, the the little girls who were telling the story, they were like. It was his favorite kind of cabin. All the hard work had already been done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like his favorite thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what he's going for through his whole life. Yeah. Using other people. Uh, so Leah here miraculously saves them. She summons a wind and personally acts as the sail on the back of the boat. Yeah. Right. That's cool. That's pretty rad. Uh, and very eerie image. Just all, all of the stuff with Leah just, you know, summoning forces is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then th- this is where we get the stuff with Marion returning home, getting the scoop and uh, then heading into the woods after them. Uh, and But they've abandoned the ferry, of course, but they leave decoy mannequins and Calvin in his chair floating down the <laughs> yeah. river. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, that's right. I thought that was Marion's thing, but now I remember that was um, Will's, was Will's idea. Thing. He's like, it's the oldest trick in the book because it works. That's why it's <laughs> – and yeah. that's all he says about it. And even the, the kids in the voiceover are like – I mean, the subterfuge is completely lost because they made a lot of noise in the woods. Sister just kept screaming and crying all the way. Yeah, and they got lost because like... <laughs> he doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> And yeah, they're like, it's clear that this guy had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have this really interesting kind of eerie shot of just the ferry burning on the river at night. Oh, yeah. Which was really interesting. I I really dug that. And like, I guess, you know, flaming arrows or something, because we're not in the supernatural area yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a certain area. It's a valley where the Shawnee won't go. Mm-hmm. So, so of course, if the Shawnee won't go there, then it must be safe. Well, because yeah, because the Shawnee won't go there. That's that's Will's theory. That's Will's theory. Uh, Marion has some different thoughts on the matter, and notably here, he does find some nude corpses in the trees while he's tracking them, which is sort of what you end up getting with the ghosts in the forest. So I'm kind of unclear on what that was supposed to be. Yeah, um, 
not sure if that's in the version you saw. <laughs> I don't know if we see some of these it yet. Yeah, fair enough. Because um, in the version I watched, it's right there uh, before okay. he encounters them. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but I do know that like there's a scene of Leah just in the woods, uh, like crouched down in the woods. I don't know if it's here or later on. And it just like the camera just slowly zooms out and we see these faces in the trees, but they're not mm-hmm. really acknowledged yet. Yeah, that's a little bit later because that's when they enter the valley for sure. Right, right. So, okay. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird that at this point we do see a thing with just naked ghosts or I, I guess these are just naked corpses, but they seem they're they're similar to the ghosts that we get later, which are always nude and muddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, so the the pilgrims are surrounded in a clearing by uh, the Shawnee, and they prepare for battle. But then Marion shows up in like this ceremonial garb with a helmet, and he sort of diffuses the situation. He he diffuses the situation, but I'm I don't understand exactly what he was doing because he's got a helmet. It looks like he's got like a squash for a nose. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Uh, it, it seems to be just uh, some sort of native tradition. Like, he's clearly familiar with the Shawnee. He's dealt with them before. He speaks their language. So I think it's some sort of ceremonial uh, garb related to that. Yeah, uh, but he does successfully defuse the situation. He talks to them, and they all start laughing. Yeah, he, he tells them a joke. Uh, and then he pulls out his gun, and he shoots the three white guys who are with them. Yeah, I don't quite get why he did that. I get why he did that, because those guys are the ones who are dangerous. Uh, th- those are the ones who are, like, potentially from... Like, I, I don't know what, what those guys are doing there, but, like, clearly yeah. they're adding danger to the situation. Yeah, they must be. Um, I can't imagine they were from the village. No, I don't think so, because those guys didn't seem to have guns. <laughs> yeah, or, or or anything. Yeah, I mean, they stole all the stuff. Uh, and, like, if they had guns, they probably would have taken them. Probably. Uh, but, of course, Marion is very upset. Uh, Eloise shoots one of the natives as they retreat when he shoots the white guys. And he's like, don't, don't shoot them. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh... That's the last time we see them being any kind of friendly. That might be the last time we see them at all. It is the last time we see them, although they continue to be sort of a, a quiet threat at the edges because of this. Yeah, yeah, because he mentions, like, yeah, they're still watching the valley to make sure we don't leave. And once they're gone is when we're going to go. Yeah, it's like you, you shot one of their own. So that's why we're stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this this is at the point where we see Leah in the area covered with feathers uh, because yeah. uh, they recognize it right away. She comes back with all the feathers uh, right as Marion is almost going to kill Will. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets in a fight. He's he's like, I'm, I'm taking my daughter back, uh, Fanny. Uh, and yeah. then Will just gets in his face. So he's about to kill him. But Leah shows up with just this huge arm load of the feathers. They're like, yeah. Where'd you get so, those? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to mention uh, about the joke that he told the Shawnee. Mm, uh, right. Yeah. Because they were asking him, like, what did he tell him? What did you say that was so funny? Oh well, I asked him, how's his wife? What's funny about that? Oh, not that. But he asked me how mine was, and I told and I him. Told him. <laughs> <laughs> 
because because his wife was the one who left uh, with Will. Smith. Yeah, his his wife is Eloise. Yeah. Uh, so the the feathers are like a bad omen or something. They're like, oh, th- this is not this is not good. Th- this suggests something bad. Uh, but if we go forward into this valley, the Shawnee definitely won't follow here. And I think it's because of the feathers, like the feathers are some some sort of signpost. Uh, it's like a signpost. If you go back, if you go past them, the forest will kind of close up behind you and you'll be lost forever. Yeah. Is what they say. And then this is also when Leah finds the faces in the trees as they press <laughs> forward. Because, like, she's sort of always off on her own as the rest of them travel. Yeah, she's she's always kind of doing her own thing. Yeah. Uh, and then they do find these abandoned cabins. The, uh, there's the quote that you mentioned earlier. And Marion is just not into it. It's like, this seems too convenient. This is not good. Uh, yeah. And and he basically explains what folk horror is here. And he also, like, it's it's as he's explaining native conceptions of the devil being a part of nature. And he sort of explains what a folk horror movie is. Yeah, like, how yeah, folk horror like, works. Yeah, like, basically what he's saying is, sure, you have to kill people, you have to kill to eat and all that stuff, but... When you do, all the negative energy just kind of seeps into the land and it pools in certain places. And this is one of those places. Yeah, which is cool. I I love that concept. It's a very uh, primal idea. I like that. Yeah. Uh, And of course, the next morning after they've camped there, there are mysterious intruders, uh, which is not good. Of course, Will thinks, oh, this is great. They just want to communicate. Uh, he, he wants to proselytize. He, he thinks like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn I'll them all into Christianity. Christians. Yeah. And Marion's <laughs> like. That's what I was sent here for. Yeah, this, this is why we're here. This is the promised land. And Marion's like, those are probably not natives. We know the Shawnee won't enter this valley. And that means they're afraid of what does live here. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to connect with these people they're probably not people uh but he's like we are trapped though <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah the, the shawnee are blocking the valley so uh i don't know we we still we just have to stay here and wait i guess yeah so um they, they build up the cabins sort um, of they don't really of. do much with them honestly well <laughs> well will doesn't do much of anything yeah will does all the hard work is done he put up a cross right uh, I think they put up a fence. <laughs> they do put up a fence. Uh, eventually, they they uh, build like this thing. It's kind of yeah, yeah. And like so, they uh, Leah has a vision of the previous settlers there, the French settlers who were there before, uh, and they're you know like she she sees a vision of what happened before whatever happened to them. Like just them in panic in the forest. And then a native in quotes child is left for them. Oh, yeah. Um, And she's and Leah's having visions of this person turning out to be uh, Mystique from X-Men is what I first thought of. Similar. Yeah. Like just like black instead of blue, like all black. But But with with these glowing eyes. Mm hmm. And Will's like, we must baptize her at once. <laughs> Leah is like, <laughs> mm, I don't know. This, I'm not not into this. 
Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea, but they adopt this child. Yeah, they baptize her New Hope. And when this happens, Sister falls over and hits her head on a rock and miraculously regains her sight. Oh, she was blind? She was blind. I'm not sure if this is in both versions. Okay, okay. Uh, But, like, she goes back and forth between seeing and blind a couple times in the movie that I didn't really recall when I was watching it the first time, but did notice it when I was watching the extended cut. So that might not might have just been left out. Yeah. um, Because it goes back and forth, so it's weird. Okay. Hmm. Interesting, because a lot of these people, like, some of them just seem like hangers-on, like, sister and... uh, Yeah. There was a woman who I kind of forgot she was there until she leaves with Eloise at the end. Yeah, and um, I guess she's the I the wife of Jules. Jules' yeah, wife. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but like, sister, I guess like when they were going through the forest, and that's when Marion arrives, and she's like, uh, she she thinks he's Calvin at first, although there's obviously he doesn't sound anything like him. I don't know why she would think that. Just Again, see, it yeah. may not be in the version you watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any of this. She's kind of a she's kind of a non-entity in the in the one version I watched. Yeah, like it, it's she's she's sort of weird because she's sort of an outsider from ever from the whole point where Calvin dies forward. So she's sort of never with them once they're yeah. kind of settled. But like Will. Because she's regained her sight. It's a miracle. We have found the promised land. Of course. Uh, And then Marion is meanwhile exploring and he finds this stone broken up in a stream. And it's like. Oh, yeah. It's got writing on it. Yeah. And it says the devil lives in the trees. Which is spooky. It's in French. It's clearly from the people who were there before. And Will's like, I don't know. We just had a miracle. So we're going to start a garden instead. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and it's in the garden. Uh, they're, they're, um, doing, they're doing the thing with the, the uh, tools. And hoeing. Just, <laughs> hoeing, yeah. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but I guess it's hoeing. It is hoeing, yeah. Oh. <laughs> they're just it hoeing really around. Yep. Yeah. A sister, specifically. Sister, yep. <laughs> she hits a... Um, something fleshy that squirts blood out at her just a huge gout of blood and then like a body rises for just a moment and she's like screaming and freaking out but nobody else sees it yeah yeah um you know typical only one person ever sees the ghost at any given time michigan j ghost (laughs) and leah then has another vision uh of whatever the thing is in the forest uh, the for the spirit of the forest the queen of the forest i guess she's an uh, ultimately called uh i think i think they call it yeah the witch or yeah it, it's they not really clear what it it's not clear what it is it it's, it's some a spirit, sort of it's a witch it's a forest it's elemental yeah it could be but like um, we she has a vision of it killing all of the french children and it's sort of like uh, it, it's like two cuts. Like she sees it rise, and it's really creepy. Uh, is do we? Is this the first time we see it in the movie? It's hard to say because the way that this thing looks, it could just be hiding in the background. Right. Like it's it's very 
it looks like it's part tree or part bush. It looks, so it's, it looks a lot like the thing from Mulholland Drive, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, it really reminds me of that. Like, I genuinely think that may have been the inspiration for it. Oh, I wonder. Could be. Yeah. Uh, so we, we do see it here because it appears after, like, we, we see all of the French children have been, like, killed in sort of a, a weird vision, like the one earlier where Leah just saw the saw them freaking out in a field. Uh, and it, the 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 spirit appears just holding one of the children for a moment and then right. then it then it cuts to the next day where they're raising the cross. Oh, okay. Um I thought the cross was like one of the first things they did. It could have been shuffled around. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> But like it's just this very orange sky and they're raising a cross and doing a prayer. And then, of course, this eerie noise comes from the woods while they do the prayer. Uh, and it, it weirds them out enough that they have to stop. Right. And uh, Marion, meanwhile, is like I'm he's trying to convince everyone to leave at this point. Uh, he's talking to Jewel and Jewel's like, no, nah, I'm going to be a constable in our new town. Yeah, Jewel's <laughs> been there long enough that he has like this really well-trimmed beard now that i'm sure he didn't have before right definitely like like they've been here for a while now they must have been like a few weeks probably maybe even for sure maybe even longer and he's like no man i i'm respectable i got a wife and kid and this i'm gonna be a law in this place yeah and it's like okay <laughs> and marion's just like the whole time, Marion's just like, I hate this place and I want to leave. And anytime he'll talk to anyone, will talk to him. He's like, so we're going to leave this place, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, he's so sick of it. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, of course, he's also sick of Will's bullshit with his oh, yeah. wife. Although, although the wife is getting sick of Will's bullshit, too, over time. Over time. As like, it becomes apparent that he does that he brings nothing to the table. Yes. Uh, and it takes a while for her to fully be done with him, but like she is getting sick of him over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and at this point, Fanny disappears. Uh, and the, the oldest child, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. She... yeah Marion's child. Uh, Marion Eloise's child. kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Marion also finds a bunch of the naked mud covered ghosts in the forest and then he finds Fanny. Uh, she's just like unconscious slash comatose or entranced. And it's interesting because at this point, the the other little girl starts taking over the, the narrative, like the uh, the narrator role. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about how Leah tells her things, but we never see this happen. But um, we do get that really great scene where uh, they're she she like comes to them in the forest when it's raining and like puts a barrel over them. Yeah, I like that. But we yeah. never like presumably the conversation happened there, but we never see it. So it's like we don't know what she's talking. Them. Yeah. Is she actually talking to her or is it like mind talking? Uh, but what she says is like she has to become more powerful to defeat the witch. Right. Is what it boils down to. Well, and notably, she says, Leah was our friend and I loved her, which suggests that she dies. Mm -hmm. uh, but not quite, maybe. Yeah, it's In fact, I, I would say 
doesn't. Different things <laughs> happen. Uh, yeah. So, like, we we have a bunch of things here. We we see Leah kind of going more feral anytime she's around the the like village part. Like, she's stalking the native child, New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Like, anytime she's around, like, she's stalking her like a wild animal. And <laughs> Will is like. I saved you. You you have to be good. Like he he's constantly lording this over her. Yeah, and he's he's uh given the girl uh one of the other girls' dresses. Kathleen's. Yeah. Kathleen's. So that now the now the little girl's wearing what she was wearing in the Mystique vision. Right. Uh that's actually a little bit later, but yeah. Yeah. Um so then they they get raided by the mud ghosts. I think this is the first actual raid where they all come through. It gets really windy and they steal yeah. all of Jules' books. Oh yeah, they steal <laughs> Very the angry. books. And and Will's like, oh my god, it is inexcusable that they have these books. And they took them all. Well, it's Jewel. And, Jewel is oh, upset Jewel? about it because like, it was Will. I I he I think he well Will is upset about it too. I think Will is more upset when they bring them back later right yeah will loses his shit over that yeah but like jewel was very upset about it because he'd learned to read and like he was starting to feel like he was respectable and situated like his whole constable speech he was talking about learning to read there so he's not happy about it too uh so then what is it here leah protects fanny uh like her like w- when the raid is going through, she's there protecting Fanny from them coming after yeah. her. Cause like they're probably trying to take her back to the forest. Probably. It's presumably part of this. Like they steal a whole bunch of shit. Cause oh, yeah. later on they get some of it back. A couple times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In a way. <laughs> well, a couple times because they also find it in the tree later. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, she Leah also tells Marion, like, OK, the secret is in the trees. And he just starts going and chopping trees. And then finally he hits one. And the moment he hits it, Fanny wakes up. Oh, yeah. So so Mary or um, Leah, when she does talk, she does kind of like a, uh, what do you, like a like a Black Lodge speak. Yeah. Yeah. Like a like a kind of backwards played it's it's a really neat i I think it's just a bunch of reverb and i'm just uh, attributing more to it than what there is but it's it sounds really cool uh and then so fanny wakes up and leah runs to her and eloise freaks out and throws her out because eloise is still kind of horrible at this point she hasn't Mm -hmm. she hasn't gotten the idea yet i don't know if she ever really stops being horrible Kind of at the end, she's pretty done with Will, and she kind of understands that the, this whole thing has gone wrong. Well, she she does end up saving the children, so yeah, there is that. Right. Uh, and Fanny tells them all about, like, she was taken by the Forest Queen, and she remembers Leah trying to save her while it was happening. So it kind of keeps Leah in the good graces here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's the next day they wake up and find... All of the pages of the books are just littering the entire place like the feathers. Yeah, yeah, and just everything is just covered in book pages. Uh, not scraps, like ripped 
the whole pages are full pages individually full pages ripped out yeah um carefully everywhere. and everywhere yes yeah like like the whole camp is completely covered and will <laughs> loses his shit will's like all the knowledge of the scholars of europe and he starts screaming about them as savages and he, he yeah. really like he's he's doing great with his proselytizing he's, mission here yeah oh yeah he's he, he's so he sucks so much he sucks uh meg is taken oh meg that's right there's three girls because there's also uh calvin and sisters kid meg is sister's granddaughter i think oh i thought meg was fanny's sister uh, meg, is, meg is one of the other ones who lives at the end yes yeah i think she's like i, I think each of them is a different daughter like or, or okay. a daughter of a different parent because i i think uh kathleen is jules kid. yeah kathleen is jules kid and um, meg is sisters because it's sister who freaks out uh when like it's at this point they're going to the cross and they find her hanging upside down oh, from the cross yeah. and she looks all burnt up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a quite horrifying moment and like sister it's like a complete psychotic break this is the last oh, yeah. rational moment she has in the movie she uh completely breaks breaks down but then marion also he's gone and he's found the tree that has taken meg this time and he chops it and she's revived yeah so i guess like the spirits like the bodies uh, the spirits get taken out of the bodies and put into these trees i suppose it's kind of what i'm getting out of this yeah and i guess it's sort of a process like she was still being removed from the body and put into the tree so he could still like return her i guess yeah yeah it's not immediate yeah Um, it takes I guess it takes time for the trees or the forest or the witch or whatever to absorb them. Yeah. And then like when he chops the tree down, the forest spirit or the witch or whatever uh, comes like shows up and she blasts him with wind and then just melts into the ground. Super cool. Whenever she does melt into the ground, it's a really cool effect. Basically, whenever the witch does anything, it's really cool. True. True. Weird like camera tricks for for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and effective so it, it always looks like supernatural like it doesn't belong where it is yeah uh and then sister is struck blind again depending on the version you watch perhaps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does mention that she's blind again uh once the the meg thing happens and she just mm-hmm. loses her mind and this is when will gives kathleen's dress to the child and everybody is put off about it no one is happy about it yeah because but like for different reasons kathleen is yeah. like how how dare you give one of or or not kathleen um kathleen's mom, mom. Who, yeah. whatever her name i can't remember uh, jules <laughs> jules wife is like how right. dare you give one of cat one of my little girl's dresses to this savage um Everyone else is like, you know, she is one of the ghosty mud people, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course, Leah's like, oh, hey, this is from when I had the vision of her as Mystique. Yeah. But, you know, she doesn't say that. And the the child basically menaces Kathleen out into the forest while they're having this argument, like un, unnoticed by them. The child yeah. is actually like chasing one of the other children out. 
Uh, and then she or Kathleen sees the nude mud ghosts out in the rain, drinking milk straight from a cow. Yeah. Very, straight. Very <laughs> they just got a cow there and one's just like parked itself underneath the cow. And, and they're all naked just, and muddy. Yep. It's it's very eerie. Oh, it's so so unsettling. And then all of them start pursuing her, but Leah rescues her. Like Leah comes and just the rain immediately stops, and like she just her magic is able to counteract it. Yeah, yeah. They I don't know I can't remember where, but one of the children mentions that Leah is an Irish fairy, which is really cool. Yeah, I I think that's in the barrel scene. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like. Is, Shortly after this, uh, we're, we're sort of getting to the point where we, we get Will talking about what actually happened. And when he's talking about her mother, she was Catholic. Oh, With pure no. disgust. Like, wow, Catholic. Like, you know, Irish Catholic, obviously. She's you oh. know, some sort of Irish lineage. Oh, well, that's why she had to die. Oh, Apparently. Of course. Because oh, she's well. Catholic. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I kept having to relight the fire yeah he says when we were burning leah's mother the fire kept going out and leah is there she overhears this she overhears it but of course Uh, he's telling it to jewel yeah uh so yeah that's pretty much where we're at he's they're like the two of them are out walking and they just encounter this thing with a cow head Right. Um, and Jewel shoots at it, and it just instantly transforms into three birds, and they fly away. But the cow head is left behind. Right. At, at some point, I, I I'm so bad at remembering like the order of events here because it's all just hmm. like to me, it's all just kind of like they're just living and discovering stuff. But like at some point, Jewel gets sick. I think I it's think shortly it, after this. Oh no, because he. He, uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit from here it went in the next attack because he gets shot in the throat with an arrow. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the next attack where they're... Uh... Right. <laughs> but first, this is where Will kind of loses his shit with the, like, the the thing transforms and the cow head's left behind. He's like, oh, there are devils here. I don't want my body eaten by animals. Don't tell <laughs> anyone, but I think God has left us. Yeah. He just becomes yeah. extremely whiny, and that's when he starts talking. He blames it on Leah. It's like, it's yeah. her fault. Her presence has cursed us. Um, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what her presence is doing, but okay. Yeah, he's the problem. She oh, has saved them for as long as she's been able to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now she's kind of done with him, and she's not going to be protecting him anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, like, Marion is like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm leaving with Fanny. And he starts to go, but then the noise starts up, like that eerie noise from the forest. And then the yeah. forest ghosts are there. And then it's a big attack. Yeah, now this one, they're, like, chucking bones over the fence first. Human bones. Human bones, yes. Notably human stuff. bones. Yeah. Mm. And Jewel gets an arrow in the throat. Uh, they fire burning arrows, which burns down one of the cabins. Uh, but then after it's all over, they find a baby kid, you know, a kid goat. So oh, Will is like, yeah, oh, it's right. another miracle. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <like> an idiot. <laughs> I hate this man. I hate him so much. And of course, 
Shortly after him deeming it another miracle, a tree explodes and Sister runs off and is taken by the mud ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then yep. the the forest child again tries to take the two young children, uh, Meg and Kathleen. But then Leah saves them, and that's when it turns all black and hisses, like her vision. Right, yeah, because we see that vision a couple of times mm-hmm. uh, leading up to this. Uh, and then it runs for the tree line, but Marion shoots it. <laughs> and, that, and then she explodes. Kaboom! Like, huge boom, ball of like, fire. Like 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 is it if you shot the car of a gas tank in a Hollywood movie kind of fire. Yeah, it's like a doom toxic waste barrel explosion. It's gigantic. Yes, it's, yes. I was just like, okay, I'm awake now. <laughs> <laughs> and all the mud ghosts take off. They're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> fair play, fair play. All right, yeah. Uh, uh. And then Marion's like, okay. Enough of this. Uh, he kisses Eloise goodbye, and he leaves with both Fanny and Meg. And Eloise wants to leave. She's like, Will has lost all credibility in her eyes. She's not interested, but she's like, I kind of feel responsible, and I kind of have to stay for now. But I don't want to. And so she's waiting for Marion to just come back for them after he's gotten the kids to safety. Yeah. Um, I don't. When does she eventually ends up leaving? Oh, no, Marion gets. uh... Yeah, because things don't go well with this first escape. Yeah, that's right. Right. So they leave. Right. Yeah, they they leave, but they find bones in the trees first and then they find the face tree and Fanny recognizes it. It's like this is where I was kept. Like when I was in the coma. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but then they like they climb the face tree i don't understand that well their stolen stuff is up there oh, there's okay. that there that uh there, there's like a chest like i don't right. know if that's in both versions but like there's a chest up in the branches of the tree and like they go up to get it i think it's their money <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they're like they're they're precious goods i guess mm-hmm. and they're up in the tree and then the forest queen arrives so they can't come down yeah, that's that's right. Uh, I I had thought they were like going up in the tree to take a, I guess take a yeah, break. Yeah, I don't know. But it's weird. Seem right. Yeah, but then like Leah already knows that they're in trouble, and she like grabs a couple fistfuls of dirt and comes running into the forest with them. I'm not sure why, because I, I don't know how that comes up, but she like grabs fistfuls of dirt and comes running. Mm-hmm. And then the forest screen comes up in the tree she pushes marion out uh, and he's pulled into a puddle and just is gone he's yep he's uh he got he got eaten yeah, he got taken is, get, he got taken he's gonna get eaten yeah and so the kids just have to go back again yeah they gotta go back um and things get weird like it gets really hot the stream dries up and basically everyone's done with will at this point they're completely finished with him yeah uh jewel dies well he wakes up first he's like he wakes up from the coma he's like well i guess if i'm not gonna die uh and uh this is when will i think he thinks it's a miracle again or some bullshit and finally yeah he asks will is like He's like, am I going to die? Will's like, no, you're not going to die. And Jewel's like, oh, how do you know? (laughs) 
and then we have the sort of explanation of the title of the movie. We get this a few times, but this is the sort of the the longest version of it that we get through oh, our yeah, narrator. Marion Marion had told the kids, um, yeah, cold eyes in a hot, in a hot fire. Cold eyes melting in the hot flame, uh, and she she says very pointedly to Will, a smart creature is content with getting close enough to the fire to get warm. Some aren't content with that and get to thinking they're bigger than it. And then uh, they end up dancing in the fire. Yeah, until there's nothing left but cold eyes melting in hot flame. Whereupon Jewel dies. <laughs> and Will's yep. like, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I think here is where everybody's just like, yeah, fuck you, Will. And they're like, okay, we're all leaving. You can stay here and die. And uh, what I found really neat about this is like when they're all leaving, all the women their clothes and their dresses and all that are like spotless. They're clean. clean. He's just getting muddier and muddier. And he is just covered in dirt. He's so muddy. I think he's becoming a muddy ghost. Maybe, or he just, I I had attributed it. (laughs) I figure he just kind of gave up on life at this point. He definitely seems to. Cause like they're all leaving and he's sort of saying like, Oh, but no, you should stay. (laughs) Like that really pathetically like, like, no one's even listening to him. He's just kind of walking around them saying, it's not right. We should stay. This is the promised land. Yeah. But like as they're leaving, <laughs> the sun's out. It's like so beautiful. It looks like they're going for a picnic. <laughs> just leaving behind this dilapidated cabin thing and this shitty, dirty guy. The sad, muddy man. Sad, and he man. he trains the gun on them like he's almost going to shoot them. But then he cries and cries to Leah instead. Uh, and then it just cuts to later that night and the mud ghosts show up <laughs> yep. to to him, led by sister and the forest child. Uh, and they come to get Will, but he shoots himself. Well, at least he was did something kind of smart at the end, sort of. Yeah, he maybe he probably well, doesn't no, want probably to become better. It probably, probably is. Probably better for him. I wouldn't want to be a muddy ghost in this field for all eternity. And it's uh, around here, I think we also see that the the ladies with their their carts broken. Yeah, uh, um, at the river. And Leah has found Marion entrapped in the tree. Or like she's communicating with him somehow while he's yeah, trapped there. Yeah, he's in the tree. Um, like, still kind of has his... Uh, face together like yeah. he isn't completely absorbed and he's right next to the creature yeah so she's like you need to pull her out of the tree and keep her from transforming uh, or the yeah. mud ghosts are gonna get the children because like they're heading for the ladies who like are broken down mm-hmm. so he he's trying to get himself and her out of the tree or it or whatever, whatever it the is, witch yeah. is yeah whatever it is and he does like he he pulls it out somehow and like with him, like they get out and he snaps the neck uh, yeah. at Leah's um, command. Yeah. And then Leah. Oh, right. She takes a little frog that comes out of the creature's uh, mouth. And it's, it's glowing orange. And then she eats it. Yeah. And takes her power. So she has the power of the witch in the forest. Yeah. Um, and the kids. uh 
the girls, uh, the women, uh, good yeah. smart thinking on their part, uh, put the kids into the trunk and seal it up and send it drifting down the river. What's like a coffin? <laughs> I think they specifically like... call it a coffin. Hmm. Well, which is weird. It, yeah. But yeah. Fanny, um, Meg, and Kathleen are in the coffin, and they yeah. float downriver to safety, I guess. To uh, to where the French people pick them up. And the guy, the French is like, okay, so where's the valley? They're like, we don't, we don't know. We were stuck in a coffin for a week. Yeah, who knows? Okay, uh, so there's a valley upriver. Yes. Somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And, and we aren't going to find it because of magic. Yes. Yes. And she says, only the ones who are willing to burn will ever know the truth. Oof. Which is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and like we also see that Marion returns to the two women after killing the forest queen, but who knows what happens to them? <laughs> yeah, that's no right. Idea. Because the, the now the kids are long gone. Yeah. In uh, in French territory. Right. So yeah, who knows what happens with them? Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, that's pretty well it. That is the end. Uh, I I really like that sort of closing. I I the 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 child narration is interesting because it's very poetic uh and it's eerie like there, there's a real strain of eeriness through this whole film it always feels kind of unnatural yeah and, and the two when the when the narration switches up because the one girl was unconscious mm-hmm. like the style of the narration changed up too mm-hmm. which i thought was really cool it's it's kind of a more magical thinking that you get with mm-hmm. the other child uh, yeah, uh, I really liked it. I, I was very impressed. Yeah, um, I, I think it's, I, I just found it really vindicating because when I first saw the movie, I was like, when I first started watching, I'm like, she seems like an Irish fairy. And then oh, yeah. like, oh, she's an Irish fairy. Oh. Specifically, Yay, yeah, she me. is. <laughs> and Leah's great. Leah is such <laughs> a fascinating character. And I guess at the end, she becomes the new queen of the forest. Um, I guess so, yeah. So theoretically, Marion and the women should be safe to get away, but who knows where they go or if they're yeah, able to or, even follow where the kids went. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But we are not because the story's over. Yeah, it's an interestingly semi-unresolved ending. Mm-hmm. It sort of leaves everything in a weird questioning place, which seems appropriate given that it's uh, a movie about nether places places in between and people in between or uh beings left in between Mm -hmm. yeah no i I liked it i liked it a lot yeah it's pretty cool uh really cool color tones like a lot of cool blue and white and gray and green uh and just an eerie atmosphere i really like the music brad fidel mentioned earlier uh, it's sort of doing a, an Irish pipes kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was. Yeah, I definitely like. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. It's pretty cool. Uh, so next in that set is what is it? Uh, uh, Lepterica, that uh, butterfly one. Check film. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's pretty much everything for that movie. Uh, any further thoughts before we head to part three? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. And for our third section where we talk about stuff we've watched in the last 
a couple weeks in this case, and uh, decide what we're going to watch next week. Uh, so it's been a couple weeks, so I watched a ton of stuff. Uh, but first, I should mention we both watched Dune, which is great. Uh, the new one. Yeah, new I really one. liked it. The Del- Denis Villeneuve. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I loved it. Different uh, and certainly better than the Lynch one, although I would say that the Lynch one does have some unique flavors that still make it something that I will continue to rewatch. <laughs> I uh, mean, uh, it's Lynch, so I'm sure. It's, yeah, it's fascinating. This will be. This is actually my first time having anything to do with Dune. I've only mm. ever heard people talking about it, and if you haven't read it, hearing people talking about it, it's just utter nonsense. It's impenetrable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, so the Benny Gesserit went to the Fremen, and I'm like, the 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 what? Um, and I then, think of it as like grown up Star Wars. It kind of is that. It's it's a lot like that. Yeah. Uh, or more grown-up Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is adult, but it's really more like, you know, teen. <laughs> Edgy yeah. teen. Yeah. It really I, is. And this sort of has flavors of both, but it's more high-minded uh, sci-fi action adventure. There's a lot to it. It felt like uh, there was a, like, a lot of just atmospheric, like, long shots with music. and There is. Which is interesting. Like it's a it's a quite long movie, but it doesn't feel really long, in a weird sort of way. Like, yeah, it's one of those ones where like when it was over, I was just kind of like, is is that it? Yeah, like that was two is and a half hours. Is there not more? But there will be more because this is doing part one. Uh, uh, so yeah, we we definitely won't get into any of the details because it's one that we both need to probably watch one or two more times to even like start to. Uh, get into I, I all got, like, of the, the complex details. I got like the broad strokes of the story. Yeah. Um, but that that's about as far as I was able to get. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Dune, great, but uh, we we are not prepared to talk about it yet at all. Oh God, no. <laughs> oh God, no. It's great though. Uh, totally a recommend. Very high recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I watched a ton of stuff. Uh, first one that. Probably doesn't need much discussion that you've uh, certainly seen Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years, but it had uh, been for me, too. Yeah. Um, I remember thinking that it held up when I watched it last. Yeah, I found it to hold up better than I remembered. Uh, it's it's pretty classic. It's just loose. The The cast is just super great, like everybody in it. Just top form. The effects are fun. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, just it's great. It's still great. Hmm. Uh, I also watched L.A. Bounty, uh, and this one rules. It's a Wingshauser film. Uh, oh, so nice. Wingshauser nice. is like a supervillain. He's the bad guy. How uh, sober is he? He's really coked up. Like, he, he's <laughs> like doing a lot of coke, and he's holding the candidate for mayor hostage, and he has like this warehouse full of weapons and traps. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Sybil Danning is like just the the tough bounty hunter out to take him down because like he killed her partner in a previous thing. Oh, she met the maniac. Basically, uh, he is just <laughs> full maniac the whole movie. Oh, I love uh, it. And like everything with him and everything with Sybil Danning is great. It kind of just turns into white noise whenever neither of them is on the screen. Mm. <laughs> but both of them rule. 
Uh, next up is I Drink Your Blood, which is another real major exploitation classic. I can't hear something like I Drink Your Blank without uh, yeah, I know. Divorce. <laughs> I Drink Your Milkshake. My this... milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like, I drink your milkshake. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, this this is from 1971. Uh, so like greatly preceding it. This is one of the oldest films, I think, that was on the, the main video nasty list. Ooh. Uh, it's really, really grungy. Like it's, it's just pure exploitation, just levels and levels of exploitation. Because like it's this satanic biker gang on acid. Okay. And they they roll into this town and they you know they have this ceremony and uh, they attack a local girl and when she comes back home her grandpa goes to talk to them and they dose him with acid and beat him up a bit so like the grandson decides to infect all of their food with rabies because he shoots <laughs> a rabid dog in the woods and then he like takes a vial of the rabies blood and puts it into a bunch of meat pies that he gives to them. Okay. And then we've got a satanic biker gang on acid who are completely mad with rabies, just attacking this town and laying siege to it. And a bunch of other people get infected. It's, it's wild. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. It's quite a thing. Uh, next up, I watched a double bill of Project Kill and Cop Killers. <laughs> hmm. uh, this is a Dark Force drive-in double bill, so it has like a couple trailers and stuff between it. No, but you know you can also watch the movies separately on it. Right. Uh, Project Kill is a Leslie Nielsen film, pre-comedy. Oh yeah, I remember when you were uh, posting about this. Yeah, so it's like just a couple years before Airplane, so he looks exactly the same and he sounds the same, but it's supposed to be serious. <laughs> I just can't take – because Leslie Nielsen's comedy career has existed for most of my lifetime and his serious stuff, uh, I hadn't been born yet. I just don't see him any other way. It's weird. Like – I, if it, if you go for far enough back, like the 50s stuff, it's kind of works. Cause, you know, he's, he is kind of that square jawed 50s sci-fi hero guy and it works there. But when you get like into the 70s and it, he is the guy from Airplane, he's like, I can't take this seriously. There's a part where he's in bed with Nancy Kwan, who's the co-star. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not programmed for love because he like he's a programmed a government programmed assassin <laughs> well see now i'm just expecting her to take a remote control and a vcr guide and look up how to get the blinking 12 to disappear i mean that's what you would do in airplane for sure yeah uh, it's, it's weird. It's kind of an ambient film. It feels like it, it, not a lot happens. It's really quiet and low key, mostly okay. talking in rooms. Uh, next. So then cop killers is another really grungy exploitation one. Uh, it's these two hippie de- hippie dudes, uh, who are trafficking a kilo of Coke. Uh, and do. yeah. And police stop them as they're coming out of the desert. Like they're the, the plane drops it off and they're heading out and they kill all four cops at the at the uh, road stop, and then they just go on a spree. 
Uh, they kill a bunch of people. <laughs> it's okay. called cop killers, but you know they only kill those four cops, and then I think maybe there's one later on. But they, yeah, they just kind of go on a whole spree, and it's really nasty, and it ends badly for everybody. Well, you know, you know how the police are. You kill one cop, even if it's like one of a thousand, and you're just a cop killer for life. It's just, doesn't I mean, these guys cares about the little girls I've killed. To be fair, they did kill five cops. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, they are cop killers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's interesting. It's it's very very nasty though. Mm. Uh, next up, Revenge of the Living Dead Girls. Which right. I, I talked a bit about this one. It's these. There's a, a corporation who dumps some toxic waste in a milk truck. And then three girls die from drinking the tainted milk. And then they return from the grave for revenge against all of the people in the evil corporation. Now, I'm sure you did tell me about this because I remember making the joke. Is this the milk truck where Daredevil and the Ninja Turtles got their powers? <laughs> that, that is the joke you made. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's very strange because um, like so we, we see this guy put the stuff in the thing and then he watches a couple girls drink it and they just drop dead instantly on the spot. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's weird. It's a strangely angry movie. Like it feels really angry and serious despite being this really cheap kind of soft core movie at times. Like it's made by porn directors uh, and it's like them doing a non porn film, but there's still a lot of naked people in it. <laughs> It's strange. It's it's a it's a whole vibe. All right. Uh, next up, I I did a triple bill, the Bloodorama triple feature from Agfa. So Bloodorama. Uh, yeah, uh, three just really grungy or early seventies exploitation flicks. So first is Help Me, I'm Possessed, which was completely incoherent. <laughs> <laughs> It's a mad scientist movie, and he's got this dungeon where he tortures people, and he's, like, summoned this rage monster, this being of pure rage that's just, like, a massive writhing tentacles, and it just shreds people sometimes. Uh, okay. And I don't really know what else. <laughs> Very so hard does to somebody get possessed at some point? <laughs> sort of. I feel like there's someone possessed at the start. Uh, it's hazy. <laughs> okay, all right, right on. Uh, next is Night of the Strangler, which stars Mickey Dolenz of the Monkees. Oh, wow. Uh, he plays just this whiny little brother to just this wealthy racist asshole who just starts a bunch of murders. Like he he has an assassination, and then there's just like blowback, and and it's all about race, you know, like they're sister got pregnant with a, a black guy and that's what like sets all of it off okay yeah and it, it's 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 pretty grody it was very unpleasant a uh, lot of murders but no strangling even though it's called night of the strangler well maybe not it's just strangler. not his night after all i guess not man uh, i and, was gonna strangle so many people but you know what <laughs> I, I just not tonight. Not tonight. Uh, next up is Carnival of Blood, which is the first film uh, for Burt Young. You know, Uncle Polly from Rocky. Oh, okay. Uh, he plays just 
uh, a carney who works at like a, a game where they throw darts at balloons. And the guy who runs the, the booth is like psychotic murderer who uh, marks victims with by like if people come and are really unpleasant and cause cause a nasty scene at the booth, he will give them a prize to mark them for death. <laughs> Sounds like every uh, retail worker's dream. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Uh, it's, it's again, it's like really grody, lo-fi stuff, but I, I like the carnival atmosphere and it was really interesting to see Burt Young in it. Cool. Cool. Uh, next up another double bill. Uh, this is from, this is a couple shot on video ones. We've got dark harvest. Uh, death reaps what you sow. <laughs> hey man, as long as I don't have to reap what I sow. Yeah. So they're supernatural killer scarecrows who are menacing some hikers on the edge of the Mojave desert. But like these scarecrows, like sometimes they drive cars or fly helicopters. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Uh, it's, it's very goofy, very, very cheap. <laughs> uh, you know, nineties shot on video. Uh, yeah. and, and also escapes, which is a shot on video horror anthology. Ooh. So it has six very short stories. Uh, they're, pretty silly pretty light kind of g-rated horror affair but like it's bookended with like vincent price is the guy who mails that like he's the delivery man dropping off the tape and then it's narrated like the it's opened with vincent price doing the narration <laughs> and okay. like his picture is on it and says starring vincent price on the vhs the guy puts in and then at the end vincent price shows up and then like you know the the last story is you <laughs> <laughs> yes it's it's so corny <laughs> i'm just like imagining that like VHS. oh man i get to meet vincent price yes but it comes at a price <laughs> it's so weird like it's it's incredibly cheap it and like the stories are like it, it's like if you had horror interstitials like on saturday morning ytv the sort of oh thing you get there <laughs> oh like are you afraid of the dark kind of thing or lower than that oh because remember this is straight to vhs shot on video i don't know how they got vincent price at all <laughs> <laughs> uh next up is the bloody pit of horror where this men's magazine crew like i guess the photographers and writers and the models they all like break into this castle because they think no one's in it and they're looking for a dungeon where they can shoot some fetish pics in like a real all dungeon right. and they're real assholes they're they're all a bunch of jerks but like they they find out that the castle is owned by this guy who's this crazy former bodybuilder who's completely obsessed with purity and this is the castle that was owned by the crimson executioner <gasps> And the Crimson Executioner, you're going to hear that a lot. Uh, people are saying that name like every few lines. Uh, he no says it a lot. No one expects the Crimson Executioner. Like, I'm the Crimson Executioner. He's the Crimson uh, Executioner. And he has like just a, a really silly red hood and like <laughs> domino mask. Uh, and like he he's like this 14th century guy who was just kept torturing people to death and then the church walled him up in this castle uh and now this this guy believes he's uh possessed by the crimson executioner's uh 
soul or whatever. Oh, so he's he's not actually the original, the OG Crimson Executioner. He's just a guy. He's just some crazy bodybuilder guy who they <laughs> used to know. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Uh, and it's weird because it's really goofy. the The tone is very silly, but then like the violence is quite brutal. <laughs> like he mm. just tortures people a wow. lot. Uh, but like still pretty lo-fi effects wise. This is like sixties. So this is a little bit before like the seventies horror wave where gore became more common. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a very strange movie. Uh, next up house of lost women. This is another Jess Franco. I, I watched a bunch of his stuff, uh, circa Halloween. Uh, he did Oasis of the Zombies. The oh, right. <laughs> uh, this one's more kind of ambient sex nightmare stuff again. That's his sort of thing. Uh, kind of almost a softcore movie as well. It's about these two sisters who live on an island with their father and stepmother. And mostly they just kind of lie around masturbating all the time. There's really not a whole lot going on there. They're very bored. And this guy shows up and... The dad is suspicious of him because he thinks he's on the run from the police or he says he's on the run from the police. But the guy is he thinks the guy's a journalist or possibly police or something. I don't know. It's weird. Has this really great line where he's arguing with the the wife and she calls him. You're not a man. You're a pile of shit. He's like to be a man or to be a pile of shit. That is the question. (laughs) What is a man? Not a little pile of shit. (laughs) But enough talk. Have at you. Uh, Speaking of piles of shit, the next one I watched was Ghostbusters 2. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This I haven't seen in decades. I've seen the first one not too long ago, like a couple of years ago. This uh, this hasn't been... Like this is as much as uh, Ghostbusters was better than I remembered it. Ghostbusters 2 is worse than I remembered it. Oh, really? And probably it's because I just came off of first watching Ghostbusters again for the first time in a while. Uh, But it's like no one wanted to make it. Everybody hates making it. No one's happy. (laughs) (laughs) There are some good lines. I really like uh, Vigo the Carpathian, who's like the evil painting that they fight. Oh, right. Peter McNichol is fucking hilarious in it. He's really funny uh, as uh, uh, Vrenyash, I think it is. Vranos? Vranos? Janos, I think. Janos. Why am I covered in goo? Uh, But yeah, it's kind of bad. It's about like a a river of slime under New York that feeds on bad energy. And it's at like a critical point because, you know, New York has such bad energy. It's a very silly movie. Okay, you know, like... um, It has a part... (laughs) Prescient. (laughs) Yeah, so it it has a part where they... uh, use uh, a nest controller to uh walk the statue of liberty around it's really dumb more buttons than that to move the statue of liberty i'm sorry yeah i don't know it (laughs) i mean it's what they had at the time it was the 80s i guess uh next is mysteries of the gods speaking of bad sequels this is the sequel to chariots of the gods oh no Uh, I love Chariots of the Gods. It's just such a fun pop artifact. Uh, but whew. I like it, even though everything I saw in it has since been debunked and or discovered. Right. And like the arguments are flawed in Chariots of the Gods and you can sort of see their flaws, but they're so much more obviously flawed in this one. 
Like they're they're the B side arguments that weren't good enough for the first movie. Oh no! Like who could have built this log cabin? <laughs> Certainly <laughs> not man. Not back then. Part of the problem is that they've got two narrators this time, and like the the first narrator is there again, and I still like him, but the second narrator they have just much weaker in delivering it. It it it's not as compelling somehow. It's lame. It was pretty lame. I was I was disappointed. What I really want to see is there's an alternate version of it that's narrated by Shatner, and I really want to see that one. So the uh, like the thing I liked about Chariots of the Gods was even though obviously it was never aliens, we got to see all this cool cool ruins and cool evidence of ancient civilizations. Yeah, uh, and it's a lot beautifully of stuff shot. That I hadn't hadn't seen before. Like, stuff hmm. I didn't know about uh, to go along with stuff, of course, that I did. Like The Easter Island stuff is so fascinating in that movie. Yeah, yeah. So so this is – is this like that too, or is – A they little. Just like, they do have some good footage. One of the problems is it's also, like, 133.1 instead of 185. Like, it having that widescreen aspect adds a lot to it. It feels very like a TV documentary when it's this 133.1 aspect, like the square. Yeah, uh, like some of it's there, like you do get some stuff, but it never feels as panoramic. It doesn't seem quite as exceptionally shot, except for like a few pieces. And like same soundtrack, like it's reusing the score cues, which I really like, but it just doesn't use them as effectively. It doesn't have the same build. Okay. Uh, and the last That's one is... Yeah, it's it's a drag. Hopefully, I'm I'm hoping like the Shatner one will uh, be available at some point, and that might be more fun. I feel like the, just the narration could do a lot. I, you know, I would watch it just to see Shatner narrating a documentary that may or may not be about aliens. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and last one is Tenet, uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which is. <laughs> I feel like I might like it. I might love it if I watch it two more times or like <laughs> if I watch it on edibles and just get the right vibe because I kind of get where it's going. It's really hard to, <laughs> to describe this movie because I like, OK, the main character is just called the protagonist. Okay. And that's not just the credits. He refers to himself and other people refer to him as the protagonist at various oh, points no. in the movie. OK. And it's all this stuff about algorithms, uh, and there are a couple big set pieces in this movie that they return to multiple times from different angles, and it feels like it's this exploded commentary on the action blockbuster, and Christopher Nolan kind of laying bare the template of his other films and just sort of doing this thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to take that completely stripped down. I'm not going to add any ornamentation to it this is the protagonist he has this thing that he has to do and he doesn't know why and we don't know why but he has to do it because he's the protagonist okay. and yeah it's it's weird it's it's kind of hard to explain uh you got robert pattinson in it uh as uh the the sidekick and he's really good uh john david washington you know from black klansman is okay, the main yeah. guy Oh, right on. Cool. Uh, and like the the action sequences are really spectacular uh, and they're 
pretty interesting because they're kind of playing with time stuff. The the idea is that people from the future are attacking the past because the past screwed up the future so much. So they're fed up and they're going to maybe destroy the past with uh, weapons that go back in time. So like the the bullets are inverted. So they are they're pulled back into the gun from existing bullet holes. And if you if that goes through you, you you're you're not going to be happy. Uh, so, yeah, it's it. I mean, it's really interesting. And like I've been thinking about it for days, but I didn't love it while I was watching it. Hmm. OK, yeah, because you said in our, our chat that you weren't. Well, you said you weren't sure if you liked it or not, is what you I said. I think I there. said I liked it and also didn't like it. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, that that's still sort of where I'm at. But I'm. it's so fascinating. It's such an interesting movie. Uh, it just, like, there's not, it doesn't have the sort of drama that you would expect. There's not a lot of character <laughs> drama or, like, it, it's hard to understand even what's going on. There, There's not a clear line to what is supposed to be happening and it's you know it's christopher nolan so uh, the sound mix is really weird sometimes you can't hear people because there's a bunch of other shit going on yeah yeah um yeah, i'm just trying to think of the last few of his that i saw dunk was dunkirk him yeah dunkirk was the previous one and this is sort of just like it feels like dunkirk was one for them and this one is one for him oh i see dunkirk I see. is really stripped down it's so like it's it's still complicated, all the different timelines converging, but you know that that was like a blockbuster movie. That was like big Oscar buzz, and it was really short, like tight. Yeah, yeah, that was no no space was wasted in Dunkirk. No, and this one it's like him just really indulging everything he wants to do. <laughs> oh, so, so I I don't know if I would like it or not. Yeah, I don't know. It. it it's one that might take a couple viewings. I, I think it probably is going to take me a couple viewings to really uh, appreciate it the way I need to. Uh, so that's the 16 options for this week. What do you figure? Oh, boy. Yeah, there's a lot in here. Um, right now, it's uh, it's kind of between L.A. Bounty, Tenet, and Ghostbusters 2, because I just... Hmm. Kind of need to see how bad Ghostbusters really is, but also the thing do is, I really need to? The thing is, it's not really bad. Like, it's not interestingly bad. It's just kind of mediocre. Like, it hmm. doesn't really, like, I, it's a solid 2.5, you know? It, it has oh. its moments. There are some funny lines. There's a lot of stuff that's dumb. I really hate what they do with Janine. Uh who kind of becomes more like the cartoon character, but for some reason is paired up with Rick Moranis, who really has no reason to be in the movie again. Yeah, why would he, why would he be there? <laughs> He's their lawyer now, oh, which is weird because he wasn't a lawyer in the first movie. I don't know. <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> also, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character is now a painting restorer. Like she's a painting restorationist when she was a cellist with the symphony in the first movie. I don't know. It's only like, all right. It's supposed to be like a couple years later or something. It's weird. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, well now, well, now that I saw, I, I think we need to carry on with our, uh, Wingshauser watchathon. 
All right. Uh, L.A. Bounty is a blast. Like, All it's right. really fun. <laughs> so that I, I think that'll be a pretty great pick. And I, I had never heard of this Wing Hauser man before doing the podcast. And now he's kind of like one of my favorite. He's so fascinating. Just like such a screen presence. There's so much energy in everything he does. And like he'll show up in the strangest movies and give everything like he he has that Nicolas Cage energy where he's going to give his all in the worst things no matter what. <laughs> like a get of it. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> Champagne and balloons. <laughs> uh, so this is the f- oh, oh, I guess first there are two editions which are not eligible this week cuz this is the last of our resolutions weeks. Oh, uh did we did we actually want to cuz I know we were going to do four weeks but we missed one because uh because I might have got COVID. Well, we uh, we've done. This is the fourth week. We were potentially going to do a fifth week, but uh, oh, okay, okay. That's all good. We'll we'll catch it another time. Sounds good. So the two new additions we've got Nom Angels, which sounds pretty fun. Oh this boy! Is, <laughs> uh, a gang of Hell's Angels become a Vietnam platoon with their motorcycles and everything. Of course. <laughs> I don't know how, but I mean that sounds really fun. Uh, and the only other addition, I, I basically just completed a whole stack while uh, we're off. Uh, so the the other one is Sound and Fury, which is a pretty important 80s French drama about juvenile delinquency. Oh, and it's okay. just following these two 14-year-old boys. Uh, one of them is new to town. Uh, I think his grandmother who took care of him has died. So he is sent to live with his mom, who's kind of not there. Uh, and then he gets in really close with this other kid who uh, is just like developmentally challenged. And he is also very violent and dangerous. And uh, yeah, things uh, don't go well. Okay, cool. Uh, so for our final week of resolutions, uh, the idea is to start a new series. All right. So um, we've got a bunch of options. Uh, should I go through each? Yes, because I I see the list, but I don't know which of these are actually series. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell. So probably the first few of these are unlikely. Uh, First one, we've got Variety Lights. Uh, This is a movie. uh, This is the first movie in the Criterion Fellini box set. Uh, So this is, I think, his first film. He just co-directs it. I I don't know if you've ever seen any Fellini. Um, Federico Fellini. Um. You may have seen, um, uh, I can't remember. There's, there's one that I definitely did do at a movie night a while back. Um, <clears throat> but I can't remember the name offhand. Uh, very important Italian director, uh, interesting meta filmmaking, uh, eight and a half is the one I mentioned, I think last podcast where it's a movie that is very much about the making of itself. Oh, right. Yep. Uh, in, a, in a really interesting way. So th- this is a pretty early film. Uh, he really liked Carnival Folk, and this is sort of a movie about a traveling uh, studio. I think they're sort of like in between Carnival and actors. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I don't remember this one very well. I have seen it before. It, it's co-directed, so it's not fully him. Okay, okay. Uh, and what was uh, it called, sorry? Variety Lights. Okay. 
Uh, there's the Agnes Varda set, also Criterion, the, the complete works of Agnes Varda. Uh, so Varda by Agnes is the first one. Uh, it's a documentary about her life and her filmmaking and her philosophies. Uh, I think it won Best Documentary that year at the Oscars, and it's her final film. Okay, cool. Uh, an extremely unlikely one next, uh, the Olympics. We got Olympics 1912. It's incredibly long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Silent footage I, of, uh, yeah, please go ahead. I remember you were talking about this um, quite some time ago. Yeah. Um, like footage of just like the old, all the old Olympicses. Yeah, so this is uh, this, the full 1912 Olympics, like all the existing footage. Fascinating, but does not sound like my cup of tea. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, it's one I've been meaning to rewatch, and I want to get through the whole set. You'll probably want to check out some of them as we go. But uh, yeah, this one, it's it's a tough sell because it's really long, and there's not a lot that happens. But some of it's crazy because it'll be like, uh, yeah, and uh, two people died in this event. I'm like, what? <laughs> Someone <laughs> died of heat exhaustion. Like, really? Uh, so another one, we've got Lucky Star, which is the first of the Myrna and Borzage at Fox box set. It was an early silent film. Or actually, okay. no, I think, I guess a late silent film uh, by Frank Borzage about, I think it's a, a, oh, I can't remember. This is another one I have seen before. It's a very melodrama type thing. Oh, so it's it's about World War One and the returning veteran who lost his legs in world war one uh and he, he goes back but to like reunite with the the girl he's in love with but like you know his disability gets in the way etc okay we've got jacques tati uh so there's jour de fete uh jacques tati uh we've talked about watching playtime before uh, very important French director, very interesting, huge influence on Mr. Bean in terms of his character. Oh, okay, cool. And so this is just like his very first one, and it's just, uh, I think it introduces the character, and it's kind of low-key French slapstick comedy in the 60s, right. 50s, I guess, actually. Uh, next, uh, Hitchcock. We do a Hitchcock box. We've got Saboteur is the first one there. Uh, it's one of his first American films about uh, sabotage during World War II in like you know an airplane factory and the guy on the run. I don't know if I've ever seen any Hitchcock actually. Really, I love Hitchcock. I haven't watched any in a really long time, but like I really was heavily into his stuff when I first got into film. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, kind of just one of my fundamental ones. Uh, but yeah, I haven't rewatched a lot of them recently, other than like a handful. Uh, next up, Female Prisoner Scorpion, uh, the first in the series. All right. Uh, so it's a Japanese, uh, you know, wacky exploitation series from the 70s about female prisoner. And like she's the leader of her prison gang. And, you know, they're out to get revenge against the other gang and stuff. You know, pretty wild. Uh, I have seen this first one, but I haven't watched the rest of it before. Cool. Okay. Uh, there's the World Cinema Project. Uh, so the one we've got there is Lucia. We talked about that quite a while ago uh, as an important Cuban film. Right. Uh, where it's like three women named Lucia through different periods of uh, important periods in political history in Cuba. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so we've got the Sartana series. If you meet Sartana, pray for your death is the first one. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, an, another uh, Italian Western series. Cool. Uh, and this is one where, like, he's a really classy guy who's, like, well-dressed uh, and he's scary. Like, he's he's mean. Uh, we've got three different 50 movie packs from Mill Creek. So these are represented by The Devil Has Seven Faces, uh, The Incredible Petrified World, and Brain Twisters. I don't really know much about any of these. They're all just going to be really lo-fi, trashy stuff. Uh, these 50 movie packs from Mill Creek are fascinating to me. Because <laughs> they're just like... Uh, what do we? What, what's public domain? What can we just put fifty movies on a couple discs? <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're they're wacky. I've I've been introduced to some really fun stuff through them. Uh, that's where I first saw uh, um, Rotor and Hands oh, of Steel. Rotor, that's Rotor. a classic. We we I feel like we need to cover that at some point. Oh, definitely. Uh, at some point. Yeah. Uh, so for uh, we've got the William Griffey box. So the first one there is Sting of Death, the killer jellyfish man movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just stalking the Florida Everglades. Pretty fun. Uh, Guy Madden, uh, one of my favorite Canadian directors. Uh, so there's a box of his stuff. So we've got Careful is the first one, which, if I recall correctly, it's about this town in like uh, a snowy valley and they have to stay very quiet all the time uh, because there's constant danger of avalanche. Oh. If cool. if it's the one I remember, uh, I think that's that one. And then like everybody in the town becomes butlers and stuff like they have a really great butler school. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That sounds, that sounds fun. That's pretty great. Uh, there's mission impossible. The first one, of course, and the starting the series. Tom Cruise, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, first, the Sam Katzman, uh, who, you know, did uh, Giant Claw. We've got Creature with the Atom Brain for that box set. Cool. Uh, we could do Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, so first one there is Dolomite, of course. Uh, classic black exploitation comedy. Right on. Uh, or we could do Kung Fu. So we've there's the Shaw Scope box, but I'd say if we're going to do that, I'd start with the Chinese Boxer first, since it's oh, just yeah. the first Kung Fu movie, and then go into Shaw Scope from there. Yeah, we we talked about that one briefly uh, a mm -hmm. few episodes back, I think. Yeah, when I watched it the first time, it's very interesting. It's um, it, like it's the first Kung Fu movie, and it's just it's very basic like it, it just sets down all the fundamentals and how those movies work yeah. cool cool um i'm leaning towards uh sartana sartana all right so if, if you meet sartana pray for your death yeah <laughs> such a great title uh who's the guy in that uh the um i'm looking here to see if it trying to find it on the list where the heck is that i know it's on here <laughs> um nobody i recognize yeah uh but yeah it's it's a pretty cool one uh this is an arrow set uh and yeah gianni gianni garco hmm. hmm i i don't remember uh but yeah that should be fun so next week uh, we'll be covering If You Meet Sartana, Pray for Your Death, and uh, L.A. Bounty with the Great Wings Hauser. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. 
it should be a good time all right uh so uh, thanks very much for listening it's good to be back yeah it's good to be doing this again uh oh yeah klaus kinski is in if you meet sartana pray for your death is one of the villains i think oh, love cool. klaus kinski uh anyway you know closing stuff i guess <laughs> oh yeah closing stuff hey uh keep keep the stacks you should you should keep 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 watching keep watching those those stacks what do we do we we watch we watch movies we watch movies <laughs> uh all right uh thanks everybody and good night good night keep watching the stacks